0: week's edition of in the lion's den i'm your host james boyle joined as always by my father dennis boyle
1: i'll figure it out one of these weeks
0: and uh vanna white fan club leader rick catamaran that's right Mm -hmm. Uh, how
1: old is vanna trivia question 115 (laughs) i think she's 61 i believe that, really, that, well, I feel that, like every time we look her up, she's
0: like ten years older. Well, I, like Anne Helen <laughs> down in South Philly, it's like she's orbiting <laughs> a dwarf
1: star. <laughs>
2: there is no before Vanna; there is only after Vanna.
1: Yes, BB. <laughs> we'll have to get our crack staff on that. But I, I thought I remembered her being. Yeah, there. hold
0: on. Let's get the intern on it.
1: Sixty-one.
0: She was born in '57. So what's that? Yeah, oh, oh, she's what? sixty-one. Yeah. yeah for
1: my vanna knowledge. <laughs> <be>
0: good. <clears throat> so tonight we watched season three,
1: episode two. Dark Wings, Dark Words. Yes. Very
0: foreboding. <laughs>
1: yeah. Dark I was wings, trying dog. to think of the relevance of that to what we watched.
0: Uh I it's called Dark Wings, Dark Words, Rick. I know in the book that's a saying they use because they send messages through the Ravens. And there's a saying like, you see the dark wings, that means there's bad news. So don't
1: the ravens ever bring good news?
0: Yeah, but it's kind of like we have, I don't know. Can you think of a real world? A dark raven does seem. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem. uh, Ours would probably be like, when it rains,
2: it pours. Yeah. Right? That's like CNN. Yeah.
1: Very rarely are we going to hear something positive there.
2: Dark wing duck.
1: When there's trouble,
2: you call DW. Were you, were you too young for Darkwing Duck? Yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah
0: how,
1: how about, thankfully so. Speaking of that, how about Baby Yui?
2: Baby was that Huey before
1: about... you guys' time?
2: No, he was on when I was little. I mean, baby the reruns Huey? like with I never even heard of him.
1: They were talking about that on one of the sports talk shows today. And the guy uh, is around my age, but they were talking about when that went back to. Him. But he was like a big clumsy... I duck.
0: typed in Baby You, and it's just showing me Baby Yous, which are actually really Cute. Irresistible U.
1: Maybe there's a fan club that they dress <laughs> up like you.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think I just found my furry costume.
2: <laughs> that was Bobby Ketch's blow up doll. Uh <laughs> the irresistible <laughs> you.
1: you. While he's watching. While he's watching. Oh him. yeah, we
0: had this guy.
1: Baby oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Like when they would play uh Bugs
2: Bunny and stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I like the ones that were horrifically racist. <laughs> Such as,
2: uh, there's uh, there was a, lot was a of... Disney one, uh, "Song of the South," but yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: oh yeah. And there are a lot of the, uh, a lot of the Bugs Bunnies. there's a lot of ire directed towards the Japanese, I believe.
2: Those were early on. I mean, Speedy Gonzalez is a pretty horrific
0: stereotype. Yeah, but you know what? I think that that has like, oh god, i I always find myself tackling these questions that I should have no part in. Never mind. Let's move on.
2: Speed <laughs> well, I'll do you one better. You remember his cousin, Slowpoke Rodriguez? Yeah,
0: yeah. That was no good for yeah. sure. From the outside, I'll put it this way from the outside looking in, I'm pretty sure he has a massive, like, he's still massively popular in Mexico and they're making a movie and stuff.
1: I did not know that.
0: But I am not the one to be commenting on it.
1: They used to say that about people who were not proficient in the boudoir they call him Speedy Gonzalez.
0: (laughs) Here's a column from Latino Voices. (laughs) Should we dive into this? (laughs) Is Speedy Gonzalez a Mexican hero or a stereotype in cartoon form?
2: Yeah, let's not touch that one. I know that Marvin the Martian was a pretty offensive stereotype, the way Martians actually are. Yeah. But the fact that you guys knew, uh,
1: what was the name of the one, the cousin or whatever?
2: Slowpoke Rodriguez.
1: Wow, I, I couldn't. I don't even I recall that. Yeah, that. he's like his good.
2: drunk, lazy cousin. Speedy's drunk, lazy cousin.
1: Oh, now does it, does it say when Baby Uwe? Rick has a
0: collection of VHSs ordered alphabetically <laughs> did, of all the. Do you have a year on there? <laughs> on Baby Yui or no? Baby Yui.
2: Baby Yui.
1: sixties like, maybe. The, oh, I would
0: have said even earlier.
1: Yeah, that's true. He's probably in a home somewhere for wayward ducks. <laughs> Star
0: during the 1940s. Oh, wow! Yeah, first appearance. So, does it have
1: him like with a bib or something on his head? Like, or yeah, or, yeah okay. Oh, he's got, they've
0: got they've got his abilities listed here.
1: It says <laughs> species
0: damage. duck abilities: strength, clumsiness, near invincibility, naivete, and idiocy.
1: <laughs> wow! Other than that, he's a pretty good guy. Wizard score ten. <laughs> he has an 18 on strength so on dark wings and dark words we begin again with the ever popular dream scene yeah uh-huh i'm not brand. gonna be able to get past dark wing doc i'm just gonna <laughs> i know yeah brand is a bit of a come down into dark wing <laughs> everyone is However, Brand saw the oh right from the beginning we see the dark wing dark words because he sees the three-eyed raven the three-eyed raven has another appearance And he fixes to uh, shoot him with his arrow <laughs> but misses him. Is that because this thing has superpowers or
0: Well, we don't really know so they talk a little bit later in the episode about this quote unquote the sight some some kind of mystical ability that brand seems to possess.
1: Yeah, he says we have the same vision, yeah. meaning like foretelling the future.
0: Yeah, or he says you might, you you can see things that are in the future, or maybe in the past, or maybe things happening thousands of miles away. But we like don't Baby really Yowie. know anything. More more of this weird magic stuff that we don't
1: know what's going on. Joe, that was one Jojen Reed. Who Jojen was Reed. The,
0: yeah. a lot of new characters introduced yeah. tonight.
1: Get your pad out, Jojen, <laughs> Rick, because. Uh, Jojen. There were I'm there was these inter- names. Yeah, well, there it was sounds, an that sounds
0: like a uh, teen pop star or something. Jojen. Jojen
1: Reed. <laughs> yep, he's he's he is yet another one to keep in the annals there.
2: Caden. Aiden.
1: Jojen Reed's new single. Don't bake my potatoes. <laughs> now we saw, um, you know. So I'm two minutes into it before I'm saying, wait a minute. Is he okay now? And. James never wants to be a spoiler, the, but <laughs> no I, spoiler. I said, oh, wait, he's having a dream, you know. So the purpose of that was what? Just to introduce Jojen and his new hit single?
0: Yeah, a little
1: more uh, hinting at things to come. Okay. <clears throat> One would think that he's going to have a meatier part. Of course, he's in it again at, towards the end. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty main character, Brand. Then they switched to Robb Stark and Talisa. I don't believe we've seen them doing the nasty thing yet.
0: Yeah, remember oh, you were saying. Oh, that's right, when he first, yeah. He was jerking his jerking, and it took him a while to that's get undressed. That's
1: the Jerkin Reed. That's right. So they were talking about just general <laughs> things, and then the uh, courier came and, and presented them with the what. The dark wing, the dark words, right? This is the namesake. There it of, is. Yeah. I couldn't forget why the episode was called that, and we knew it in the first 30 minutes. I, it, it, that, that sort of puzzled me, because it's almost like they assumed that we would know. So, basically, he gets two letters, both
0: of which are carrying bad news. He gets word that his mother's father, Catelyn's dad, his grandfather, who we haven't met, is dead. Uh, who He was the, the leader of this castle called River Run.
1: He had to be in his 80s. I yeah, think.
0: he's old. And then he also gets word about Winterfell.
1: Burned to the ground.
0: Right, burned to the ground. The two boys have not been found, Bran and Rickon. We know they're okay right now, but they don't know anything about them.
1: Now, Bran and what's the other brother, the younger one?
0: Uh, Rickon, his name is. It's
2: That's like very Hitchcockian. Brother. Is it? Rickon? Yeah. What? Well, no, no, no. What? Catamaran. <laughs> when you have, When the audience knows something suspenseful that the characters don't. A little dramatic irony that's a hitchcock, hitchcock <laughs> tactic like if you, you have had a,
1: me with hitchcockian
2: <laughs> when you have a uh, like if there's a bomb under the seat of a car and the camera shows it but the guy driving the car doesn't know that's
0: a... this is almost the opposite though where it's right. like yeah right it's something yeah correct. right it'd be like <laughs> we knew there was no bomb and the characters think there's a bomb what or thing when the camera that? is shot, that dramatic irony, or is that? Isn't there all those like I don't know that that's dramatic seventh irony. grade English terms.
1: I've always been that? puzzled when they show that camera, like irony. the extra eye, and like where you, where you're saying, wait, is that, are they trying to tell us that somebody's watching her, or you, you know the scenes I mean, where there's another, there's a view of these people, or say this girl in the house from afar, and you're wondering. Is that the regular shot, or are they trying to tell us that somebody is watching her?
0: No, nah, a lot of times just like to show the landscape. Okay. They like showing like the Ireland, basically. Uh, but so we learn from that scene that they're going to go to River Run to pay respects to the, the right. dad who has died. In
1: fact, that guy was giving them a lot of crap. Yeah, he was kind of telling
0: them this is a distraction.
1: Yeah, wait, we got to pay our respects.
0: That guy is the guy whose sons were killed by Jamie Lannister when yes. he escaped, so he's still.
1: Oh, he, off. yeah, he wanted to kill him right yeah, there. He's yeah. pissed off at the.
0: Catlin. Yeah. Yeah, for releasing him.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then we see um, Jamie Lannister with his guard, the, the Amazon woman. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the delivery service. Um, <laughs> and he's his cocky self, even though he's already seen her. Go to war with those other guys and make short order of them. And then he's.
0: They were they had some good scenes tonight. Oh, they're, he's, they're he's like good. Yeah. good. Yeah.
1: I guess it's easier when you're in the biz to portray somebody that you can just hate.
0: Yeah. I, well, it's probably more fun. Yeah, right? it's got to get to just be like this smarmy prick. Yeah.
1: He's, he's,
0: he's a Danish guy. I know he was like. I remember listening to an interview with him. He was like a big time like Danish TV guy for a while oh, for like a decade.
1: Like a new like a weather guy or something. Or? No,
0: no, like oh. Danish television.
1: Cuz he's got the perfect his hair and beard. He's like one of them guys that just has the perfect
0: and then I think this is kind of like his breakthrough English speaking role, but when he when he speaks in real life, he's got a real thick like Danish accent, but you don't you don't hear it here, at least I don't.
2: That's kind of like uh <clears throat> it lends itself to somebody you're much more capable of foregoing subtlety when you're playing the the heel or the, the, yeah, bump, yeah. the scoundrel.
0: But, <clears throat> a little hint for the future, hes this character's got a lot of layers. Oh. As we'll see. Like oh, an ogre?
1: You're saying Jamie does. Like an
0: ogre. Like an onion. <laughs>
1: Jamie has a lot of
0: Jamie layers. has layers on layers.
1: And he was, um... A layer? Hardly, um, hardly knew her. <laughs> um... One of the things that confused me a little bit there was when he um, they they encountered that guy with the horse, and it was just a brief little respite there. Yeah, and I don't know what he was carrying—some kind of hay or straw or something. On the- so uh, Jamie
0: and uh, shit, what's her name? Brienne. Yeah, they're still on their way to King's Landing to broker a deal for Jamie Lannister in trade for. And the they're getting Stark some range. exercise. Yeah, they're they're walking far. But a, a farmer passes by and notices them, and they have this brief exchange, and then they each go on their way. And Jamie basically tells her, are you going to do it? Are you going to kill this guy? Because yeah. he says he recognizes Yeah, he him.
1: warns. Yep.
0: Yeah. And she says, no, he's an innocent farmer. I can't do that. Now, later on... Of those of,
1: the, of us who know the way these guys work, we know. Right. Again, a case
0: of dramatic yeah. irony or some Hitchcockian <laughs> it's drama It's not here. dramatic irony. <laughs> Isn't
1: <laughs> it? No?
2: no. But Please <laughs> tell me it's Hitchcockian. <laughs> um, it kind of is. Well, it's more Spielbergian, I would say. Uh, there you go. Similar to the um, what was it? Steamboat Willie in Saving Private Ryan. The the sniper that they catch, and then they let him go, and then and he, he comes, comes back. And yeah, he's the one that yeah. kills Tom Hanks in the end. Spoiler. Uh, yeah. Tell me I was a good man. <laughs> Be good. He actually—that's where <laughs> that came from. <laughs> Did you know that he actually says "be good"? Like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where that came from. It's truck when when he's dying, he grabs Matt Damon and says, "Be." Good. <laughs> here we go. Here's dramatic
0: irony as defined by Britannica. Uh, well, if anybody knows that it, it's fine. This is a, this is a literary uh, lesson here. A situation, an audience's awareness of the situation in, a, in which a work's characters exist differs substantially from that of the characters, and the words and the actions of the characters therefore take on different, often contradictory meaning for the audience. For example, in *Oedipus Rex*, for example, the audience knows that Oedipus's acts are tragic mistakes long before he recognizes his own errors. Uh-huh. See, I learned something.
2: <laughs> but um, I would call I would call this foreshadowing because
0: yeah, definitely some foreshadowing in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so she lets him go, and the audience knows that's a tragic mistake, but. It comes back to bite her yeah, in the we, end, yeah, as we, we shall we, see. We,
1: we will get into that. Um, it's funny, they encounter a man with a horse is what I wrote, but there used to be a slang saying back in the day, I got to go see a man about a horse. Now, that's probably, you guys probably never heard that. Yeah, that's good that. to go piss. Well,
0: I know it as uh, I got to go see about a
2: girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, this is decidedly different.
0: <laughs> it's you have to go take
2: a
1: leak. Right.
0: I, I, I was, oh, wait, then I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, that's what it meant when you said I want to go see a man about a horse, and I, I learned that from your, from your dad's buddies. Rick, um, when they would say that, and I'd go, "Wow, what was that from?" Now I guess that goes way back. Then they probably heard it from people who heard it back in the day. And uh, I, I
0: thought you were going to say the saying "fuck you" and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> that's another
1: one. That is another one. We um, a horse we is a sh- horse, of course, of course. <laughs> then we see Joffrey and the Queen Bitch, who we're always... Does he hate her? Does he hate his own mother?
0: Well, I think he's so, like, power man. Yeah, yeah. He's the king now. He like... hates everybody yeah, because yeah, he's yeah, just he's king so- shit. Sociopathic.
1: And her name is Cersei? S- uh, Cersei. Cersei. I think. They got to make them all alike here. So she's quizzing him about Marjorie. What do you think of her? What What is her purpose there?
0: She's trying to see if Marjorie has her talons in.
1: I prefer. Oh, moderate. okay. Yeah. So she is just. I, I mean, can't believe it's not Marjorie. So there's not <laughs> there's not very many la- layers to uh, to her. Uh, she's just a bitch. She's a Marjorie least. has no layers. In fact, Mar- Mar- Marjorie's Marjorie's layers she's were looking huh? quite handsome tonight. Yeah. <laughs> She had some
0: Cersei makes another joke again about it she goes
1: maybe it's her t- tates that the queen bitch doesn't like
0: mate well that's certainly part of it like marjorie's sort of youth and beauty for sure oh and that's why Can she wants them? to see
1: yeah she's <laughs> she's thinking i'm i'm on the other side of the hill now this yeah joffrey uh
0: is fitting himself for a new outfit and he doesn't like some of the material because it has flowers on it and Cersei says, "Why don't you give it to Marjorie?" And then she goes, "Actually, that'll be far too much fabric, right. for her. Because Marjorie wears a plunging neckline." Oh, that was the shot. <laughs> she <laughs> the dresses most, like she the, yes.
1: <laughs> she did say she dresses like a harlot.
0: Yeah, right. well, I don't know if she used those terms, but
1: I have it in quotes. She it's must very
0: Hitchcocky in the yeah. the uh, the motif of exposed breasts in the show.
2: What do the the regal raiments look like? in game of thrones are they very uh, like brocaded look, and shiny yeah
0: like in so the south and the north have very distinct different uh fashion sensibilities the north is much more like leather and sort of practical and the weak sort of frilly south south southrons they call them in the book where all this like lace A and Southie frill and it looks kind of like 14th century italy like uh You know, what you might imagine Mercutio to be wearing or something. Uh Uh-huh. sort of. And Joffrey does hate his mom. I don't think he hates her, no, no, but I think that he doesn't. I think they're trying to show he's a sociopath, like, in the truest sense. He's just a nut job.
1: We see Sansa talking to, I believe it's Tyrion's harlot, um... She's trying to tell her, you know, what Littlefinger was saying. To you don't trust anything he says. And all yeah, that kind
0: of Sansa stuff. got excited at the prospect of Littlefinger helping her escape King's Landing, and Shay's telling her, "Don't you do yeah, that? Don't, buy don't you that. fall for that?"
1: Um, and by the way, um, Marjorie is also Lady Tyrell, right?
0: Right. Okay. So the Tyrells are a big, just like the Lannisters. Because Marjorie
1: like, doesn't seem to fit the rest of the cast. There's no regular people names, except for Marjorie
0: but Well, yeah, I was going to say, like Rick says, he he made it spelled Goofy, okay. Fantasy Goofy. M-A-R-G-A-E-R-Y.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's still almost mainstream compared to all these other... Yeah. And, um... Well, there's John and Rob. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, the Starks seem to have it, like Ned and... But then Sansa... And Lady Tyrell, she wants her to come with her. She wants Sansa to go to meet her grandmother. Yeah, so we
0: see Olena Tyrell, who's kind of like the matriarch of uh, the whole. And sounds
1: exactly like Catherine Hepburn. She uh, she's a famous actress. <laughs> I don't. Really? She really like sounds Chicago? like Catherine Hepburn. Just <laughs> talking the whole. Would night. you believe- too, quit your yeah. jabbering?
2: This lady's got to go. Out <laughs> <That's, out. laughs> she, she really
1: sounds like her.
0: Diana Riggs, I think her name is oh wow she
1: was on the original avengers yes
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: with that british fella oh my gosh
0: she's a great actress yeah uh, she has a she has a role to play because she's like the head of this she's very smart
1: with her dialogue yeah yeah. Dana carvey does a great
2: uh catherine hepburn what's that rick Dana Carvey does a great Catherine Hepburn. Oh yeah, yeah, I was just I, doing yeah. Dana Carvey doing Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, well, that's it.
1: That's a lot of times it's easier to do them guys that do the other guys, and and she <laughs> she did have some great dialogue and a fetching looking hat or whatever that was. Yeah, like
0: a headscarf. Yeah, yeah.
1: But she's good. But but are we trusting her? We don't
0: know. Oh, okay. Because like that's what Sansa's sort of. Point of conflict is she she wants to so badly yeah. confide in people, but she's terrified of the consequences. So essentially, Marjorie and Olena are sit Sansa down and say, "Tell us about Joffrey. What's he actually like?" And Sansa debates. It seems like at first, yeah, and they get she didn't it, wait too long. No, they get <laughs> they get her talking about Ned, which again is like you start to think was that a ploy to get her emotional, and then she yeah. kind of folds and says, well, "He's a monster."
1: Like, blurts it right out.
0: Right. So, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Elena certainly seems to have her wits about her, right? And yeah, because
1: remember, she says to her, Well, because he's here, no, no, no. She said something to the effect that Lady Sansa says he, he's a great man or he's a, he's a warrior, right. he's brave and all. And then she's here, Yeah, yeah. And when a Tyrell farts, it smells, it smells like, like roses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The Avengers, I don't believe it. That's Diana Riggs. She's 79. Wow. But yeah, Lady Sansa just blurts it out. Because, like you said, she goes on about beheading her dad. He says he was being merciful, but...
0: Yeah, she's... They're they're trying to size up Joffrey. For, for what ulterior motives, we're not quite sure yet. But.
1: And Marjorie had some rather handsome... Tata's in that scene yes too. they were right, they were out on she's yeah, she's, yeah. she's right on the border there of being uh, and and so I guess the, now I see the, the other reasons two other reasons the queen bitch doesn't like her <laughs> <laughs> so um, we go to the scene of Lady Stark making was it a wreath of some kind or protected? yeah it was
0: like some type of almost like a dream catcher that's what it looked like like some religious totem to protect yeah her sons.
1: And that scene was just built mainly to tell the story of Jon Snow. Right, right. So we 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 hear a little bit more about Jon Snow's
0: upbringing and a little bit about Kat, how Catelyn viewed. She talks, tells the story how um, Jon had come down with a pox when he was a baby. And the maester told her if he lives through the night, he'll make it, but it'll be a long night. So she stayed up praying to her gods. To
1: all seven gods.
0: Right. Right. This is a
1: thing with seven gods?
0: It's a thing in the South, I think. Okay. Um, she basically prayed to the gods and said, if you, le- if you let the boy live, right. I'll treat him as my own. Because as we know, this is Ned's bastard. So she kind of hated. She, she admits that she wanted him to die initially. And then she saw how much he was suffering and she said, all right, pray to the gods said, if you let the boy live, I'll treat him as my own. I'll love him as a mother, you know, yada, yada, yada. Jon Snow recovers and then she admits that she never did keep her promise. Right. She didn't treat him as her own. Anymore. In
1: fact, she blames all of the family's misfortune on, as she said, not loving a motherless child.
0: Right. So she thinks that all of this horrible stuff has happened is due in part to her inability. She
1: must be Catholic,
0: I think. It sounds but like the it. Seven guys <laughs> There's a lot of guilt there.
1: Yeah, you got the. And, and we,
0: uh, we we see a little bit more about why Jon Snow's emo and stuff. A little bit into his. They background.
1: they actually after he she tells the story they they do kind of
0: yeah they'll cut sometimes, right sometimes yeah and they yeah. show him
1: walking with all the the wildlings, and um, they meet what they call is a wog, uh, warg w a r g yeah so what what
0: this other this new element of magic some weird shit. Uh, where they say this guy has the ability to enter the minds of an animal or see through the eyes of an animal. He's got white eyeballs, Rick. And he's using a hawk to like scout the area. Entirely white. Entirely white. Yes, indeed.
1: Uh, not the guy says he's scouting for us. Whatever. Right. Meaning, meaning what? If there's bad guys in the area. Yeah,
0: he was using the hawk to kind of. But to them, it was normal, so it just kind of shows more of the divide. Like, there's kind of these fringe elements on the corners of the world here that we don't really see too much of, but there's, like, weird stuff going on. Just like the dragons or these, like, exotic sort of intervention.
1: Because the little dope boy we see... The one guy's kind of saying, like, "Why don't you just stay here?" Yeah, yeah. So he hits his knees, and I guess he's is he is he cry? He's just mad because his two buddies left him. And he can't. Yeah, they're marching back to the wall to get back. The one buddy, he asked him, why'd you leave me? He says, because you're fat. And <laughs> yeah, because you're fat and slow. We yeah. want to die. and it reminded me of John McKay when he was coaching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they were talking about one of his linemen. He's here, hey, 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 he might be big and fat, but he's slow, too. <laughs> and that's what they said to him. You, you know, we weren't going to – it's that old saying about, well, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Yeah, you just have to be
0: faster than the slow right. guy. So the Night's watch is still heading to the wall to seek shelter from the army of the undead and ice zombies.
1: And what is her name again <laughs> that redhead that
0: she's uh Egret.
1: Egret, yeah. She reminds me of um that girl that was famous in the movies for a lot of years played in a lot of the teeny movies and like um oh god she was Al Allison? Nah. Redhead I, I... Lindsay Lohan? No. Before her, and was in some movies with um, the kid that was in Parks and Recreation. He's like a real pretty boy and all. Oh, Rob Lowe. Rob, Rob Lowe. Lowe. Yeah, that movie where they're all kind of like.
2: Oh, are you talking about. Um, Allie Sheedy.
1: Allie Sheedy. How about that?
2: Ferris Bueller, Al- the girl in Ferris Bueller?
1: Allie Sheedy. Al- was she. Uh, can you. We we'll get our crack staff on that. That's the girl that this egret reminds me of. Allie Sheedy. Like a sort of a. Smallish, attractive redhead. Or
0: are you thinking of what's her name? Like the main girl from Breakfast Club, the redhead. That's not, Molly Ringwald. Not Ringwald. Allie Sheedy's the other one from Breakfast Club. Right. Is she like the punk girl?
1: Allie Sheedy. Let me uh was I had the name correct. Wow, that's that's good movie. Yeah,
2: actually, I could I see it. Kind of it. I think she kinda of looks like Mia that's Sarah. That's her. Like that's who, Rick? Her. Mia Sarah, the the girl from uh, Ferris Bueller. Looking at the picture. Oh, pictures.
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the girl from Ferris Bueller was a little cuter. But this, yeah, this is the one I was thinking of. Oh, she was in Breakfast Club, too, huh? Allie Sheedy was? Oh, yeah, I could see. Yeah.
0: She was there too. Ali Sheedy was. Ali Sheedy was like the punk or goth girl or whatever. It was a real Sheedy performance. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Didn't she eat, like, metal bits in that movie
1: or something? I don't have any records on it. But uh, let me cool. ask you a question while we were, because we were talking earlier about, uh, I, I, have we gotten to this where, um, oh, we haven't. No, we haven't gotten to that. We left off with Jojen Reed and his sister. and uh, Yeah, we could jump ahead. Well, what the hell is Joffrey doing acting like he's going to go hunting? Come on. Yeah, well, he likes, pussy. he
0: likes, the the whole point of that scene is that he likes killing stuff, right? And he's like, Marjorie comes to him and is trying... She's still trying to, like, ingratiate herself. Marjorie so, with a G. Yeah, she's trying to sink her talons into him.
1: Gee, she is finding, just a miniature queen bitch.
0: Yeah, and she... Uh, it's funny, because one of her lines is, I don't really understand all these political things, and it's yeah. like, we know that's bullshit. Exactly. But she seems to be doing a good job of it, right? Like, he's she's finding what he is responding to, namely... She's going right to his death. weak points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like violence and death oh
1: yeah i would go hunting yes. yeah he's, like let's go hunting do yeah. you want to
0: see me kill stuff can and, we go
1: hunting together he's like creepy
0: one. hype about it
1: but at least he's got the right colors that he wanted to have on yeah so and then do we go to aria for the first time this season well uh, the after the um the jojan reed and and um his sister are walking along, and she's talking to the other girl. I don't remember her name. Oh, one that, yeah. The one that helped Arya escape. Yeah. Right. And they're just talking about the ins and outs of the turkey's ass there. And then we see also a couple boys are walking in the woods. I had – here's another fragmented faction of people here.
0: Yeah, more new characters.
1: Right? Walking in the woods, and they encounter the, the – um, Aria and these two boys—you probably know their names. Yeah. Be decked uh, in their leather jackets and all. I forget. Them but the more. guys who happened upon them, and then you know she's trying to act bad with the is. But are they—they're good people? Are they—are they Stark people?
0: Well, we don't really know. They say they're from the Brotherhood without banners, and that they're—that was they a singing s- group, I think. The, the war that's been going on is destroying the countryside and the common people, and they're they're there to protect the commoners. We don't, we're don't we not initially sure if they're going to be good or bad, but they give them a meal, right? And, yeah, they say, you're going to come back and have brown stew and bread with us. And in fact, they say that they are going to let them go, only to be interrupted as they're getting ready to leave. The Brotherhood has captured the Hound. Uh, Sander Clegane from previous seasons, the one who abandoned Joffrey Lannister during the Battle of Blackwater Bay, uh, and he recognizes yes. Arya and says, "What are you doing with the Stark bitch?" In I got words. it.
1: What in seventh hell are you doing with the Stark bitch? Yeah, because so
0: there Arya's seven hells
2: and seven gods.
1: Seven yeah. gods,
0: seven hells, <laughs> and guilt. I guess seven heavens and too. guilt. <laughs> heaven. <laughs> Uh, so, Arya's cover is blown. Seven gods so, for
1: seven heavens. Oh, one thing that was a key thing when Jojin Reed was there was that he uh, was able to calm the wolf.
0: Yeah, jojen has got some weird magic. He's got some, stuff yeah, okay.
1: On. So, um, then we go to Tyrion and, and his whore, if we can just say that. Because mm-hmm. I never remember her name. I remember her as the whore. Shea, yeah, yeah. She's Shea. And he's saying, like, you can't come here.
0: Yeah, he's telling her, "My dad doesn't make idle threats." He said, "He'll hang the next whore that's found in my bed." I
1: kind of like her.
0: Yeah, she's got some for whores, Yeah, she stands up for herself, and she's looking out for Sansa.
1: As a whore, you can like her. You know? Yeah,
0: she's charismatic. Uh,
1: you can like whores. Yeah, yeah, this is true. They like got to make her. a buck too. I mean, for all the whores out there, you got to make a buck. That's just the way it is. And she just seems a likable character, and seems. Unlike most of these characters. She's got a good
0: head Pretty on sincere, her yeah.
1: And then Tyrion really, I, I think he really has a nut for her. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're, she's kind of like coming on to him and all. And he's like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. But right after this, he said, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they're going to, they're going to strap it on. And then she's trying to tell Tyrion, we have to protect Lady Sansa. He says, from whom? She says, Littlefinger. And he's there, who in the hell? He had some saying yeah, about what, what yeah.
0: is there a video? What does he say? Is there an idiot in any village that would trust right. Littlefinger? And she's trying to say, well, she's a little girl and she doesn't know what the hell's going on, so we got to keep an eye out for her.
1: She's due to lose her virginity, I would think.
0: They, I mean, they've mentioned it a few times. Sansa is like, even uh, she's not going to marry Joffrey anymore. But as Tyria mentioned, she's still like a prized commodity because. She's the connection to the North. Yeah. Anybody that would marry Sansa would... In fact, Tyrion is,
1: is speaking glowingly of her looks and everything, and his whore gets all...
0: Yeah, he I makes a believe- mention that she's like, you know, she's a young woman, and she's beautiful, and Shea gets You're a all pervert, pissed. yeah.
1: <laughs> You're a pervert. You're a whore. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, then we see Lady Tyrell coming to see Joffrey, and that's when they're... Talking about this hunting thing, so mm-hmm. like you said, she's trying to get on his his good side there, saying, "Yeah, I'd like to go hunting with you." Could you imagine that? Any self serving husband that's going, "Yeah, oh, yeah, let's go hunting too." <laughs> Ain't bad enough we got to hang around all, all during the week. Now you're going to go hunting with me. She
0: she apologizes and says, "Like, oh, I know women aren't usually allowed it. And he goes, "Oh, well, it's not unheard of." So I think that's showing that she's kind of working on it. it's it's something. Yeah. Working.
1: He doesn't own. She doesn't own you anymore. Right, right. Talking about her father. Yeah. Um. Then, then we see Greyjoy, who is on a crucifix of sorts, and they're torturing the hell out of him. All oh, right. So, why, Theon, why are they
0: jumping to that? I'm curious. Well, we don't really know what's happening yet, right? All we know is that the last we saw of Theon, <laughs> his men had hit him over the head. Yes. And remember, said, he
1: came out and gave the speech, and then they got Yeah. The guy, yeah. Sort of so up. we
0: don't know. We don't really know who's got him. We don't know where he is. He's just, he's being tortured. Some for good torture, yeah. right? Some
2: good torture. Some blood. The wiki rather portentously lists this area as in an unknown location. Oh. Uh, mm.
1: boy, they were twisting screws and doing yeah, all they were kinds of Screws shit. in his feet. They did put the screws on,
0: but we don't know. And then at the end of his scenes, uh, one of the workers in the room frees him from the screw, feet things, and says, "Your sister sent me. I'll come back tonight and save you." And then he's what... saying,
1: "Please don't leave me." Yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't know what. Now else he it's... took Winterfell, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. But now, the, then they abandon it and set it ablaze and whatnot.
1: So then uh, Bran and Jojen Reed, uh, uh, um, they're walking along and talking about the, how they have the same sight, which I took to mean they can both see into the future.
0: Yeah, they have this weird, and somehow this three eyed raven plays into this whole uh gift of foresight
1: and that's when then arian and the friends are eating with those soldiers that we saw earlier stew and brown bread and that's when the hound comes in the hound is uh, any was there any explanation what happened to his eye was the fire or something? yeah they uh
0: his older brother when they were younger shoved his Playing face around. Into the yeah, fire. Well, that's, yeah
1: that's a problem. <laughs> brother to a brother um but like you said, when when she's leaving, trying to leave, sort of uh, diplomatically yeah, with her two boys, Conspicuous. Yeah. yeah, he kind of sees her, and then that's when he says the, what in seventh hell are you doing, with the Stark bitch, and, and then we uh, go to Jamie yep, and Jamie and the and the warrior. Remember the guys from? Uh, did, did you say House Bolton? Bolton, yeah. Like um, they're Stark, the men. singer
0: Michael. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Who's Michael Bolton? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs>
1: Because they came up singing a couple of his tunes. It's like Office Space. <laughs> advertising for Columbia for Columbia Records, where they're going to send them to you whether you say you want them or not, mm-hmm. and then you have to send them back. Um, yeah. So they're they're um, so they Jamie's, are with Starks.
0: Jamie does, a, yeah. Jamie does a little trick where he like, essentially, long story short, he gets her sword, but she's got a second sword. Then they have a battle on this bridge, yeah. And even in though, in fact,
1: he's, he's sort of admonishing her for, I don't know too many soldiers who carry two swords. Yeah. he says, As if I to always... say, you shouldn't because I got this one. Yeah, man.
0: yeah. Uh, so they have their duel, their long-awaited and long-anticipated duel, in which, and he's supposed to be, like, the best swordsman. Yeah. But she kind of clobbers him. I was him. thinking
1: of Grandpa saying badass. <laughs> She's
0: a badass, yeah. <laughs> now, he has his, uh, he's still cuffed at the hand, so he doesn't have full movement. Right. But, uh, she she puts one on, he on puts him. He puts a
1: couple moves that he thinks is going to yeah. do it.
0: And she's got him on his heels. Like. Yeah. But then as as the fight is just about to end, uh, these horsemen ride up from House Bolton. A Stark house, Stark Bannerman, and they say, all right, basically we're we're taking him back to Rob Stark. And
1: Which is bad, right? Because then he's not a bargaining chip. Well, no, it's not necessarily or will bad. Rob say, let's use him to trade back? Rob him. wants him back. But to get the sisters or... Rob wants him back
0: so he has him uh, this this leverage, basically. Okay. Without Jamie, he's got no leverage. But
1: are these guys intent... He said, if I, if I don't take off your head, he's going to take off my head. So are they intending to behead him? or
0: No, they're going to oh, bring... No. She says that... I think she tries to let let him... No, he says my dad will pay whatever you want. So he's saying, give me to my dad.
1: Oh, The Bolton saying, guy says, if I were to that.
0: do that, Rob Stark would take my head. Yeah, so we're yeah. bringing you back to Rob. In and then the beginning
1: of that, when they pull up, if you remember, it comes that guy with the horse again. Because he yes, says, give yeah. him his silver, so he was, must have been the one that ratted the mail. So
0: the irony, as we said earlier, uh, the gentleman who they passed before on the road did, in fact, recognize he comes Jamie back to bite him in the ass. And did uh, inform on them.
1: And Jamie had predicted that. So Jamie
0: had said that, yeah.
1: That's another stark irony, or what would you say?
0: Dramatic irony, yeah. Go. She made a tragic mistake that we would be we knew would be her undoing, but they're not harmed or anything. It just ends with them at a standstill. And then we fade to black. And we fade to black.
1: So my favorite scene. I hate to sound twisted, but some of them torture scenes. <laughs> that was good, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who plays Theon, uh, I think his name's Alfie Allen. He's a great actor. Yeah.
1: Now he's been trimmed up since the last time we yeah. saw him. Yeah. They gave him a little, take a little off the sides, and um, yeah, they are putting the screws to him. For
0: sure, I liked the. It was a quiet scene, but the scene with Catelyn talking about Jon Snow, I thought yeah. that was a cool scene.
1: When she was making those rees or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, that was a good.
0: And it's because it gives a lot of insight into her character, and and also explains and informs some of what Jon Snow, why he is the way he is, or what. You know, his background So,
1: was. in other words, Ned had a dalliance when he was off the war, and this is the result of it. Right. She sort of had...
0: So, she was pissed. She uh, said, I couldn't even bear to look at these strange brown eyes from some woman his, I didn't know. Well, geez. Right. So, so I guess
1: uh, now she's recognizing that. In the show,
0: they soften her a lot. In the book, she's like straight Still up a asshole to mm. Jon Snow.
1: What well, was good was that was a good moment. Yeah, I, I, I was... Tossing between that, and I liked Arya when she pulled the sword out, and then the guy just yeah, that was good
0: it. too. Aria's is always entertaining. But that
1: was a good scene because then they transitioned finally in this thing. They went from her telling the story of the beginnings Johnson, of John Snow, and then they go right to, to John
0: Snow. Yeah, that helps when they have. Yeah, them.
1: because like this Greyjoy, he came out of nowhere, and I'm yeah. going wait a minute. Wait,
0: They're just interjecting the scenes.
1: Phew. Good stuff, though. It was Rick. Uh, any questions?
0: No, I'm good. Are we missing anything here?
1: No, we covered it. That that was. I I would dare say tonight's was a forty-five minute or fifty-minute episode, right?
0: Uh, probably. Yeah. yeah, the longer the seasons, the longer the episodes. Essentially, okay. <clears throat> the deeper you get, the longer they get. More time from HBO, basically. Uh, the new season coming out, I think every episode is going to be like a movie, like an hour ninety to hundred. And then nothing until. 2019 or what? Uh, 2019, it'll okay. it'll uh, it'll air the final season. Any like rumors or anything or no? They've done a good job of keeping and not everything. even where
1: at. They don't even tell where at.
0: No. Okay. No, and I don't want to know. I have like a like a um, spectrum like aversion to spoilers. I don't want to oh. know anything.
1: When will Ozark come back on?
0: Probably this summer, I would think. Soon.
1: And and Rick, you've been watching that or no?
0: No, I haven't. Oh, yeah, I
1: think you. I think you that would like that. Good. That was really good.
0: I don't know if you like Bateman, but he is fantastic. Yeah. Hey, mother. <laughs> he had, he doesn't have. Much, I don't know if he has much range in him, but the char- like that kind of smart ass character, he plays, like yeah. he, he could do that in his sleep.
2: He put well, his range like a... full on display in the change up I thought. Yeah,
0: he did. He had yeah. to
1: be Ryan Reynolds. And then, um... Tell me slow. Yeah, he's just kind of, uh... He just makes it look easy, but like you say, they don't put him in too much of it. Now, he's also in this one where it's game night or something, I think.
2: Oh, oh yeah. I think that, that got I, reviewed I well. But it, You see anything I, of it, or no? No. I The people like my age always want to do that shit, and it just seems insufferable to me to have to watch it in a movie.
1: Oh, to have a game night, really? Oh, like, fucking
2: board games. It's just Yeah. Terrible.
1: Oh, I think that's sweet. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's I think it was really, really good. good.
1: Who else is in it? It's uh, Rachel McAdams. <clears> okay. <throat> she looks like five other women to me. I can never get her. and You know what I mean? She's, I can't. She's, was yeah, she yeah. in Wedding Crashers?
0: Yep. Yeah. The but no then book.
1: so was the other one that I get mixed up with, right? Yeah,
0: I look. Isle fixture. Ma- Mar- married,
1: married uh, the guy you guys Sasha, used to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Sasha.
2: He brought it back for a little while. Yeah, did you see any of it? I didn't. No, see did you? It. I didn't. Nah. Like it came and vanished with barely yeah. a whimper.
0: I mean, that's one of those things. It's like you can't really bring it back, right? Like by <laughs> the nature of it, you can't.
1: <clears throat> I'm thinking, and of then that any if you were
0: to like make new characters, I think it would just feel like. Yeah, you're milking this thing.
2: His profile's too big now, too. Like, yeah, yeah, he's. Famous. His nose is too big. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> he was supposed to be Freddie Mercury in a biopic about.
1: Oh, him. that would he? That's if he the, the kid they got
0: looks like him. Oh, really? To be honest, it's kind of. Have you seen any set pictures or anything, Rick? No, <clears throat> I, I didn't know they ended up doing it. It's uh, he's in um, he's in that show, Mister Robot. Oh. Rami Rami Malik, his name is. But he it here, Daddy, come walk what, around. What are this. they gonna
1: talk what are they how do you spell it? R A M M? R A <clears throat> M I
0: M A L E K. Here, look at this. This is wild. They look exactly the same.
1: <clears throat> what what else was here? Here's he, from uh, Queen
0: that I always said was um Oh, he does look like him. Holy shit. If mm-hmm. you watch if you ever get a chance to watch the live aid, remember we did I show you that?
1: I think we were watching. Well, I think that's down the one shore, of the yeah.
0: coolest live performances I've ever seen. <clears throat> it's on YouTube. You can look up. What was it like? Nineteen eighty-three or something? Yeah, like that? it was eighty-five. I think it was right before eighty-five, and they they performed in Philly. I think. Yep. Uh, the but, but their kinda... set is like awesome, and they get the whole the whole crowd at one point. What's the one that's like <laughs> Radio Gaga? I guess, mm-hmm.
1: and they yeah, have yeah, the
0: yeah. whole crowd oh, in geez. JFK. Which was like a hundred thousand people, right? Oh,
1: doing all the clapping. they do the oh, clapping yeah.
0: like at once. It's pretty cool looking, great performance. Phil
2: Collins performed at both Wembley and JFK.
0: Yeah, he got. I think he got
1: in the, the Concord. A Concord. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, he does look like him. Now, what, what, when are they projecting that that'll come out?
0: Probably. Uh, Lee, uh, fall, I guess.
1: What are the big blockbusters that are going to be out, say, July fourth? Uh,
0: Jurassic Park. Oh, which looks dope as hell. Now with with, Ricky, with say what
1: with Chris Pratt again <laughs> or
0: Chris Pratt with T Rex with Velociraptor. Jeff Goldblum's back. Oh, but just a cameo,
2: right? Uh, hopefully, He's probably doing one of on them apartment
1: commercials. There. Wasn't he on for Apartments.com or something? Was he? That's something yeah, he was before.
2: doing some kind of apartment finder. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. but <clears throat> um, Oh, Mission Impossible. That one looks sweet as hell. And that's Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. of course. What were we talking about before that Tom Cruise is doing?
0: You haven't seen Avengers yet, have you, Rick? I have not. Oh, man. It's awesome. We should, we're going to start a new podcast all about the Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now what? What is, is there not a Star Wars thing coming out again soon? I
0: think
2: it's Han uh, Solo.
0: Yeah, Solo. I think they come out in the in the uh,
2: the winter Christmas. season. Yeah, yeah.
0: Disney's got a Disney's got to spread out its billion dollar properties That's every right. other month. They can rake in a couple billion.
2: Can't have them fighting with each other.
0: No, Avengers is going to cross billion the billion mark. I think today or tomorrow they were saying six days wow, or seven worldwide. days worldwide billion dollars. Yeah. It was the largest domestic opening of any two hundred fifty million. Jeez,
1: yeah, and that mm-hmm. was last weekend. Last weekend, yeah. Probably Excellent. didn't conflict with anything. And boy, that's I heard now that the cause's wife is suing now. She's going to go after the oh really, um, Who? district attorney? Yeah, cause's <laughs> wife. Yeah, yeah. Now this begs. I can't figure out what. And is it just for the cash cow that Cosby is or what? You know, she was very proudly Ego. displayed on the news yeah. with uh, holding on to his arm. And well, I mean, when tw- not that who knows, they could all been lying, I guess. But you 20- wonder if
0: somebody goes to her and is like, you can drag this out and get paid for TV appearances and stuff. Or it could
2: be Stockholm it- Syndrome. God knows what he's been doing to her all these yeah. years.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Where is he looking? Like, That's what I want to know. When they're
2: he's <laughs> going to be living in
0: cell block four. No, but where's he
1: looking when he's coming out? Is he...
0: He's got to be blind. Is he blind? Oh, you think he is? Or is what that... I, I don't know. That didn't he have a messed up... He had a messed up eye, like...
1: Oh, from before.
0: I think so. Long we were time, listening to right? one of his
1: albums uh, the other day. Like is from it it the one where he right? talks
2: about drugging the drink? There's one bit, like, where he talks about... <laughs> really? <laughs> but Yeah. The Spanish Fly. He keeps talking about. Wow! Oh God! Give me a little of that Spanish Fly. <laughs> he put that Spanish Fly in the drink. <laughs> life. That's life imitating art, or whatever I think yeah, it's life he, informing art. Yeah,
1: he, he was. Uh, I was a
0: huge fan of the show. I would watch it on Nick at Night. I
2: still am. It says a lot.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's interesting. There is he still it. funny? That that's that was on one of Seinfeld's. Comedians in cars. I think it was Norm McDonald because when he mentioned he's he's funny as hell. Well, and that
0: gets in the whole like separating the art from the art.
1: Norm Norm says, "Nah, you don't listen to him. You don't think he goes." Wait, the guy's still funny. And I thought, boy, that's a good debate.
0: Yeah, I think I think you could say he's still funny, and want to have no exposure to him ever again. That exposure might be a little bit delicate <laughs> to say.
2: Either way, uh, I mean,
1: I don't think is, I think
2: I think the the biggest sin. If there is a sin to commit Well, there is a sin to commit. I think the whether you're gonna say uh he's uh, I think he's funny, but or I think he's a piece of shit, but I'll keep listening to his stuff, or I think he's a piece of shit and I'm never gonna listen to him again. The one the the biggest sin you can commit is to say He's funny, and he didn't do it. <laughs> you know, but yeah. You, yeah. You, or like you like the he, stuff like, too much that you just start defending. Because him. I like his stuff. Exactly. Exactly. You can't reconcile the fact that something you like was created by a horrible piece of shit, and so. How,
0: like,
2: however, if you got to get rid of the horrible pieces of shit. You're going like James and people. Kevin Smith. He <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> now this is a great, but it's, simply by numbers of people coming out, that means he's getting guilty all of a sudden. In, in the I imagine life. the legal proceedings were more
0: in-depth than that.
1: But, I mean, the, you know, a lot of people say it couldn't have been this many people <laughs> accusing him if he didn't do any of this. Oh, well, that, I think there's a lot of truth to that. They, really? The weather smoke, yeah. this fire. Huh? That's an interesting
2: – I don't know why you would put – it, it's such a traumatic thing to reveal that somebody did that to you. I don't know why you would make it up. Uh, like Yeah, like so what you have to go through. It. And yeah. even
0: if it's like, let's say like 10% lie, that still leaves like 55 <laughs> women. Yeah, yeah. Place. And and then you know the countless that didn't come forward. The the there was an episode of the Cosby Show that still traumatized me. Uh, the one daughter goes out drinking, and get like as a teenager. And the attractive one. Oh, I don't remember who was. I think she was. Anymore. She
1: married that that singer. Um, Prince. Her name was Bledsoe, and she married not Prince, the other guy that was. Um, no, she's the
2: one me. that like accused him of abusing her i think right the older one
0: one of them one of them came out and defended her, i think right and the other one. Wait, no, oh, she I the
1: one that showed him. up naked at the trials or <laughs> oh, i don't, I don't know. know i
2: haven't i haven't one uh, of them did though yeah that's right i don't know uh, daryl bell is that the singer you're thinking
1: of no no, no. um
2: but uh tempest bloodsoe married daryl bell or yeah tempest he's an actor Bloodsoh. Wait, this Keisha matches.
1: Keisha Knight pull. Remember, she was the little one.
0: She was the youngest one. Yeah.
1: Now, Tempest... Lisa Bonet is the one I'm thinking of.
0: Lisa Bonet. Yes.
1: She was a looker, yeah.
0: Uh, but the daughter goes out and gets drunk, and then they catch her. Like, she gets sick in the kitchen or something. And then they have they make her play a drinking game. They're like, we're going to teach her. The, the mother and father do? Yeah, oh, Cosby wow. and the mom... And I remember being like, wow, this is messed up. I'll never drink as a teenager. Fuck that up. Uh and then they make her do the shot and it's a shot of apple juice. Okay. And they're like, see that? That's your lesson. And was not did you figure did you
1: figure out which daughter <laughs> it was? Good bitch.
0: Uh it was like the middle one. It was this one here. I don't know. All
1: right, now Lisa Bonet married Lenny, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, no, it's not the one I would call uh, overly attractive.
1: No, now, now, uh, getting back to Kravitz, she c- accused him of... of one of
2: them, kind of like, abuse. had a falling out with him, I know. Now, is show. she
1: is she now married to the guy who was in Game of Thrones? The big, the Aquaman guy?
2: Yeah, it looks like it. Jason Jason Momoa,
1: Momoa or something? Wait, he's married to the Cosby? <laughs> to crew. Lisa
2: yeah. Bonet, yeah. What? <laughs> she's got to be older than him right He is 38 She is She's probably in her mid 40s Okay. Get wow. It, Lisa <laughs> you, you got see a how kid she... with Lenny Kravitz And two kids with Jason Her,
0: da- her daughter with Lenny Kravitz Is gorgeous Yeah, She's She's
2: very trying Nakoa Wolf Manakauapo Moment.
0: <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is a is a uh, famous actress in her own right. I think. Is she?
2: Yeah. I think you're Zoe. right. Isn't she? Uh, what's her name? I wasn't I'm trying to think what she was in. She was in an next. I guess movie, it's going to be us thinking about what we saw. Somebody <laughs> who? In. Yeah, like uh, the, she, Mad Max. She was in. Uh, she was in Californication.
1: And she doesn't come in. She doesn't come up on like IMDb. Zoe Kravitz. It didn't. She has to. Lenny's coming up when I wrote Zoe in there. Z o e. Just e. Okay.
0: With a with a uh, umlaut over the e
2: or whatever the hell that is.
1: That's easy for you to say.
2: Did we do our required reading this week or not? I did.
1: Oh, we did, we did. Oh, J- uh, Rick, oh, we need I, you... I need help. Yeah,
0: we need you to walk us
1: through it. I, I kept reading and trying to absorb that, but I ain't smart enough.
2: It was uh it was a rebuttal to Mr. Pinker's work that we discussed last week.
1: Last week. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. Did you read the one about the, our buddy Elon Musk? That was <laughs> that was interesting to me.
2: No,
0: what My happened? My dad fell down the Jacobin uh, rabbit hole challenge. Oh really? Yeah. Well, this
2: isn't this isn't a Jacobin
0: article. Yeah, this is from should. an old
2: magazine. Right, right, right. Not not too far off base, I don't think. Science for the people. What what about Elon Musk? I'm I'm sure it was not flattering if it was. No, not at
1: all, not at all. They, they, you know these entrepreneurs because they're you know established billionaires and even they say everybody buys into and it yeah, just that, went out. That's the, absolutely true. And it's yeah, I hear
0: about the earnings call yesterday. The or what? Today was it? The earnings call. The, no, the Amazon like, one? No, his. Tesla's.
2: No, what happened?
0: Where he was like, I don't want to, like, he was, I don't know, he's nutty. But he was saying, like, that's a boring question. I'm not going to answer that. And then he spent, like, ten minutes talking to, like, s- some YouTuber who is, like, a big Tesla fan. Want to sweepstakes to, like, ask him questions. Wow. And he just, like, spent time with that guy. It's very strange. He, you know, he went to Penn. Who's that, Musk? Yeah. Well, he's definitely a smart
1: dude. A couple of his uh, degrees were from Penn. I know he was a Canadian originally. His parents divorced in Canada, but then he wound up coming he's to the South States Africa, and going to – uh, Yeah, I thought he was South Africa. Oh, is that where he's from? And then, yeah. and then um, came to the States and went. wound up getting a couple of degrees from Penn. Yeah, Zoe, I'm looking at her here now. Yeah, I don't see any – what was her credits? Ken, she, she was in Ken. Whatever that
2: I think the UAW tried to – unionize one of his plants and he told them I'm gonna give you ice cream and and stop talking to the union people <laughs> and the conditions territory. in their factories are just brutal much like the conditions in Bezos is uh,
0: uh, I just Amazon. not to get now I'm gonna be like I just finished a book called Nomad Land mm-hmm. we don't have to talk about it tonight maybe next week that will be a little tease uh, a journalist from The New Yorker studies this sort of subsect of retirees who don't have any money and they do this thing called work camping where they like live out of an rv and and work in different seasonal jobs one of which is amazon's fulfillment centers during the pre-holiday season and they talk about some of the uh conditions and stuff
2: yeah you can't like, take a piss like because they'll the the yeah. supervisors are going on you and stuff Really, it's really like it, uh, sort of.
1: It makes brutal. Walmart seem like or a well walk eaten. in the park. Yeah, and
2: their median salary, like Bezos is worth like what, like three hundred billion dollars. Their median salary is like thirty three. Yeah. Think about that. Like
0: this is so. This is uh, because we're. I was trying to avoid another political. We can we can run through this uh, article.
2: This article but this, isn't
0: political, is well. No, well, it, no, it's,
2: it's not. It <laughs> sort of is, but it's it's more of a. I, I took a great amount of issue with with old Stevie's book last week. Uh, there,
0: you know what? And th- I was going to read this other one instead of Nomadland, but Nomadland kind of struck me. There's a book called Factfulness Now or Factfulness by a guy named Hans Hans Rosling. I would be interested to hear, Rick, your uh, y- or the sort of the circle on Twitter and whatnot. Their take on this guy—he's like a Swedish statistician. He would seem to me to be less immediately, uh, sort of contentious. I, I yeah, no, I, 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 I,
2: I, well, and I, I I certainly don't want to give off from last week's discussion that I'm anti-fact or anti-reason. I quite the contrary. I I think. Well, well, first of all, like reason, truth, and fact are just constructs of the human mind, so they can be perception has a lot to do with it and whatever numbers Pinker wanted to throw out there the perception is not does not square with his data's vision of reality and he can whine and moan and, and really I don't think he was doing that I think he was just cynically trying to sell a book he can whine and moan about how you morons should be looking at this through the, da- the lens of data it's not going to change the perception of people that don't feel that way and that blew me to the, happened upon this article this week fortuitously, and about the limits to science, which just kind of speaks to the broader limits of reason. Um, and I hope that will elide some some clarity into why I think what that asshole was doing was very cynical and stupid. And he starts in this... So this this, this article uh, was published in a... They make really... are very transparent there was in a... Radical left-wing scientific publication that I guess is now defunct since nineteen eighty-nine. It ran in eighty-four. This article
1: in and Britain I, was it from Great Britain or no?
2: I believe. Well, he mentions, Britain, uh, he, he mentions he, Britain. He mentions the, the author's United. British. I know that right. And he refers to Britain almost as if it's home. So yeah, yeah. um Well, if you if
0: uh, for our listeners at home, the the article is called "The Limits to Science" by Stephen
2: Rose. Is the uh, is the writer right? Um, so we we talk about it begins with he he brings up Francis Bacon who was a was a ph- philosopher and one of the early scientists in the and British he was Union. in Footloose I think
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, six degrees of Francis Bacon he, uh, <clears throat> he he is credited with being the father of the scientific method and inductive reasoning you, you often hear in uh, You know, Sherlock Holmes' book of deductive reasoning, that's actually inductive reasoning, where you you build on a premise to reach a conclusion. Uh, And then the quote we see here in the first sentence, the affecting of all things possible, which is how Bacon described science in a novel he wrote called New Atlantis, which was supposed to describe a utopia that was brought about by scientific thought. Um, He was a big thinker back as, like, the scientific revolution sort of took place. Um... And he states in this first paragraph, uh, science is not merely about the passive knowledge of nature but about the development of ways of changing it. And he doesn't really, there's a few things I took, he makes a lot of good points in this article, but there's a few things I took interest with and I noted them here in the margin. He doesn't really explore the difference between the passive knowledge of nature and the the development of ways of changing it. He sort of conflates the two of them, um, which I think was kind of a mistake, but I'll, I'll get into that more later. Uh, but but he, he's kind of sa- getting at what I was just saying about how science is sort of, um, he says, it doesn't really explain nature, but it's more helps make nature in humanity's image. Uh, so, yeah, we, we could, it, it's based in observable fact, but, and that gets really philosophical and it's a different discussion, but like how much of it is what we're seeing and what we're perceiving rather than what's actually happening
1: like stats you can make them do what you will but tell me about when he got into the in vitro i was trying to figure out what right like he was saying instead of us trying to get people to have kids that can't let's find out why kids and he kept alluding to in poorer
2: areas so yeah that that's where he starts to take a leftist turn here i, I i've got notes on every paragraph here so i'll try to walk through them as quickly as possible but i'll definitely get to that um and I think the fact that it's identified as a radical left-wing publication, he, he peppers in his philosophy throughout like that, like that that's really telegraphing how he actually feels. Um, and, and you think he's
0: described by one of his uh, cohorts. Let me see if I can find the, uh, maybe the last of the Marxist radical scientist. his collaborator, Patrick Bateson. That's he's still around,
2: I think. Okay, cool. Um, but he's saying that, like, scientists want you to think, and I think the pinker last week wants you to think, too, that, that it's this universal truth, when really what it turns out to be is, quote, a projection of the needs, curiosity, and ways of appreciating the world, and, and not, not some, it's not this classless, raceless, genderless, we talked, to, I, I brought those three things up last week, classless, raceless, genderless, humanity, but it really serves a particular class, race, and gender of people. And it can't really, the limitations of it are that it can't communicate beyond that. And that's what I was trying to get at with Pinker last week, right? Like, he he was sort of just condescendingly sneering at all these people who feel that they've been dislocated and disaffected. And and that's not a rhetorically persuasive way to reach those people. Uh, and he, he was just saying, well, look, I have data and you shouldn't feel that way. And and people aren't going to re- react to that, which is like... Um, I think this is our that's kind of the main thrust of this article, but he brings up uh, Vannevar Bush, who was the founder of Raytheon and worked on the Manhattan Project, and then gets into a real discussion about um, he starts to touch on atomization uh, and the dissection of animals and the molecules, how science sort of worked from large aggregates down to tiny atomized right. particles.
1: When you find out about how a planet is, then you have to figure out the people and what makes up the people is is their cells and what makes up their cells is their atoms and breaking it down to that. That's how you have to look at.
2: And then as a result of that, we end up with different branches of science that only look at individual molecules rather than looking at the whole. And he thinks that's a limitation, which is interesting. I thought. With the way, uh, this might sound kind of treacly, but the the way societies kind of become atomized and everybody's in their own little individual groups and everything like that. It's interesting that as science has advanced and broken things down more, people have sort of atomized themselves. There's sort of a parallel between that. That That's just an observation, I mean. But he, he goes on in the next paragraph to talk about the mystification that science creates and pinker was doing this in the book and it drove me nuts that's when i was calling it drivel because he throws out all these numbers and he uses very highfalutin language to identify himself and it's not surprising that he went to harvard because harvard people are known for doing this but to kind of make himself to give himself um juice or uh credibility in his argument right like i've got all these data i've done all this work you need to listen to me but a lot of those data, most people who were – reading his target audience of that book probably aren't capable of, through the limitations of their education or, or whatever it may be, of breaking down critically his data, which is where I brought in the peer review process, and he touches on that in this article too. So instead, everything becomes a mystification. Like, he throws those data at you, but you, the three of us probably aren't capable of picking apart a Harvard's like, a al- Harvard – scientists data analysis and so then we become mystified by it and then he uses that as a tool to try and tell us how we should feel or behave um and the the fact that this article is kind of tackling that i i really liked. uh and then it, it's just what he says i the first is material the second idea he takes a very scientific approach which is not surprising that you said he's a scientist james when he said i will tackle each in turn have you ever read any of James, did you ever read any of Chomsky's Letters to Hitchens? No. Uh, they're very fun. They hated each other. I don't know if you knew that.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, I've seen some of Chomsky's. In fact, Chomsky had a bit on Pinker, I think, that
2: I saw on Twitter. Oh, really? Now, who are you these guys? Give me some too.
1: background on these guys. Noam Chomsky is
2: is from Philly. Uh, he's, a, he's, in a, he's probably one of the most left-wing people in America. Uh, he... I think he's at MIT. He's credited with all these different discoveries in linguistics and computer programming. He built what's called the Chomsky Hierarchy where, and where he theorized that the grammatical structures of language are built into the brain. And there's a hierarchy with which language builds from biologically that's, that's baked into your brain through evolution. And the hierarchy that he theorized from there, like you start from being able to form a sentence to being able to form complex thought to paragraphs and so on and so forth. He, he theorized that, or that, that hierarchy became the basis for all these different computer programming languages. So he's, he's, and beyond that, he, he's kind of more like a philosopher in political theory. Um, I won't digress on that too much, but needless to say, he's, he's, he's very, very left-wing in his thoughts. Christopher Hitchens is a, or was a, Capricious drunk, <laughs> who was very, very loudmouthed and sort of a pseudo intellectual, uh, who was a you know a pretty seductive writer. Um, but as far as like philosophy goes, he was an idiot. I think.
1: What well, was he loudmouth when he wasn't drunk?
2: <laughs> That's a good I point. Wonder, I don't know. If yeah, sure. Yeah, well.
1: Or did he have you know beer muscles or?
2: Uh... Yeah. Well, they. He, he, he made so many different terms. He called himself a Trotskyite, which were the people that or a group of thought during the Russian Revolution, uh, all the way up to supporting the Iraq War and becoming a huge Islam- Islamophobe. He, he's like a giant atheist and one of, these, one of these cranks that like thinks that you're not as smart as me because you can't remove religion from things. But really, he was just as emotional as the biggest re- religious zealots out there. And I don't think he ever fully appreciated that. Um. Anyway, he and Chomsky used to have very public debates, and Hitchens would get up and give these grandiose speeches, and uh, that were like very bombastic and, and incendiary. And then Chomsky would get up and respond with just the most droll, scientific. I, I I take I have three points that I will address in my response, and I will respond to them in turn. First, and and then he would just like go through them in a very uh, mechanical manner, and then yeah. Hitchens would get on him for that. And then, but the, the the this this paragraph where he starts talking about his premise for this article <laughs> kind of reminded me of that, and 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 sort of framed it as the pink, Pinker's Hitchens against. This guy, uh, is it Rose? Rose is uh, Chomsky, which I thought was kind of funny. So he talk, He gets into the material and, and, and the ideological basis of science. And that, you know, basically science costs money. And since since doing science costs money, the people that have the money don't rarely ever give the money for science's sake. If And he even says if, if such a thing, if science even has a sake.
1: <laughs> uh, right,
2: right. And he gets into... How, um, you know, uh, signs the the rate at which money was poured into it as industry rose grew exponentially and then just kind of leveled off. Um, and, and it was
1: all for military purposes, correct?
2: Well, that he said not all, or but he, a, he's a suggesting
1: large that yeah, most of it.
2: And and he's trying to make the point that it's. The, the funding for it isn't limited but it, it, it's pointed it's directed at things right and, and that has broader implications of more than just industry because you get academic assholes like pinker who's who's abusing science to sell to cynically sell a book for profit rather than publishing that information in a journal somewhere where it wouldn't get an audience or making money but would have been more um would have hold held more water scientifically but yeah he touches on military research which you know um Uh, James, I was reminded of with this. Well, of course, there's DARPA. Are you you both familiar with that?
1: Just from reading the article, that's the only.
2: Yeah, so DARPA is like the defense something, research something, something. It's it's the American government's military's research wing. And they fund like the drone science, all this crazy stuff.
1: And they reference the guy who actually invented napalm, if I remember correctly, in that article. Yeah.
2: They do, right. Um, and it
1: wasn't that, that... That was like in the 1939 sometime around
2: there. Yeah, it was like right after yeah. the... Right. And uh, I, I was reminded, James, of... Well, and then, of course, we have some other examples I jotted down in the margin. Uh, Bayer Aspirin was a product of Nazi research in the concentration camps. Uh, Bayer was a company that was made in Nazi Germany and did a lot of their research on people. And that gets into the ethics, which he gets into later, but... That that was you know funded directly out of a military action. Uh, the GPS, the global positioning system that we use in our phones to get home, those are military satellites that those information's coming from. The internet started came from a thing called project called ARPANET, which was um, a joint academic and military communication system. That that, that was like the proto internet. That so those are just examples I came up with of how. Uh, you know, the fruit that has kind of been born from the military research, but to point out that Tony Stark in the first Iron Man, you remember, James? Oh, hell yeah. It's like one of the very first speeches, like the the crusading Ivy League reporter comes up to him and says, your bombs are killing people in Afghanistan and all that. And then he gives her this, this, uh, you know, sanctimonious speech about what about all the kids we feed in starving countries with the IntelliCrops that were funded by military research that my firm developed? And uh, I thought, it's kind of a digression, but I thought that was kind of interesting. But that movie touched on this kind of debate, right? Like, or or this idea that science isn't, it's not this flower that just grows organically. it's, 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 It's fed and fertilized and nurtured and directed towards different ends and means.
1: Like picking the derby winner, I remember there was a yeah, line in there that. where the guy said, "Yeah."
2: He says that right, and then he, he is kind of, interesting in the when he talks about apologists for the purity of science, and then he says uh, the purest of high energy physics gave us the bomb, <laughs> and I thought that was kind of cute because yeah, yeah, because I think there is a purity to science, uh, although it's probably an ideal that's unachievable. I don't think he, I don't think him snarking at it here is does anybody any favors, but I could see why he would want to. And he talks about napalm, um,
1: Nixon. He mentioned in there trying to cure cancer. And the, there was another name with Nixon too, and they said by the end of the decade. Now this was in the seventies. We're going to be able to cure cancer. Right, and he says, you know, mere the mere presence of some of the chemicals that they're not only invented but around are a large part of causing cancer. So yeah. that's kind of an ironic thing, too.
2: It is. It is. And it's interesting, too, like when you're taught about the scientific method in, in, in school, uh, they talk about Madame Curie and Louis Pasteur, um, you know, Watson and Crick and Rosalind Franklin. They, they don't really discuss as much. This guy, Louis Pfizer or, uh, or Oppenheimer or... or vannevar bush who you know made these instruments of death with
1: (laughs) yeah pfizer was the napalm inventor right exactly exactly yeah i thought it was before that but when i heard it was in that 39 to 45 period that surprised me i thought napalm i always remember robert duvall saying i love the the smell smell of of napalm napalm. in the morning in the apocalypse right
2: right that's right yeah beginning apocalypse now yeah um and then he, he, he again te- telegraphs his political views by using an anecdote about Rockefeller, the, the directing, uh, the direction of molecular biology and how, you know, um, he gets in the side of reductionism. He starts to touch on where yeah yeah you start to reduce everything down to atomized particles and then you lose sight of a more complex system uh which which happens in in so many arguments today you see people have about politics they they reduce complex issues down to one thing it's got to be this one thing that's causing the problem or this one thing is why this has happened and really i almost wonder if this guy was getting at this something back in the 80s uh about how the larger discourse was going to proceed uh, right like like pinker saying it's all about <laughs> we're all getting happy because of this one metric. So everybody should be happy when it's a much more complex, um, much more complex problem than that. And so, well,
0: wait, and one thing I, I, I know I didn't touch on last week, uh, because I don't want to mischaracterize the book. The inequality section is one of like 24 chapters. So I don't want to make it sound like that was the thrust of the book in general. Just, uh,
2: no, sure, sure. But I mean, uh, it's 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 certainly a large part of the premise, it sounds like, and um, I think it's probably a faulty one. <laughs> or well, at least let, let, let's problem.
1: mention Trump. Are we better since Trump's gotten in there? Because he's got all these people that are going to tell you facts and figures. Like you said, you can make the figures do what they will, but they got all this information that we're so much better off since he's gotten in there. Right. Which, you know, his people, but is that the real story? Huh? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and he even
2: points out, like, w- with the with the the anecdote about Nixon, which kind of interestingly, in the back, in in the, at the end of that, he he says, "The funds he allocated did give us more and more molecular biology, and that field has gotten a lot more complex and in depth." But he doesn't really say if that's good or bad. Um, I, I would argue it probably could be both, but um, you know, I don't.
1: But it also caused things that are causing cancer.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whether tangentially or, or directly, but but right.
1: Um, How about the ones? phones? Have they ever, they sort of gave up on that notion about the phones giving us brain cancer. Remember when that was a big thing? Yeah, or, or
2: changing your, your reproductive health. Yeah, yeah, I pocket. mean.
1: If that's so, then we're all gone because everybody's got a phone on their ear now.
2: Well, and these, like a lot of new di- dietetics research, it, it's hard to control. And you almost wonder should we be controlling it if it's a holistic, it's a much more complex system because it's hard to control for biological, unless you start like vivisecting people and cutting them open, which we shouldn't be doing. And he gets, he touches on that right, on the ethical Right, thing.
1: right, right.
2: Um, but. Going back to bear aspirin, like they gained by what those horrible, horrible experiments they were doing in the concentration camps, they did gain a, a lot of knowledge. That's bad and it's wrong and it shouldn't have been done.
1: But, like animals, too. He mentions a lot of animal. Cruelty.
2: Right. Right. Um, and he also talks about how he says we should look out for humans in his, his personal. Yeah, he says, I'd rather
1: save people than whales, which is it came down to that, yeah.
2: which I think you'd find people that would fight you on that. But it's kind of. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, you know, uh, well here let me let me let me get he's moving on to the ideological part now, and I plug this paragraph as important. Um, the point I want to make here is not just that we get the science we pay for, but that at a deeper level, what science we do, what questions scientists consider important and worth asking at any time, indeed, the very way they frame these questions are profoundly shaped by the historical and social context in which we frame our hypotheses and realize our experiments. I think that's really important because yeah. Yeah. It, the scientific method starts from a question and a hypothesis, and then you set out to prove or disprove it, right? And and, and the question you're asking can can f- frame yeah, deeply yeah, the, yeah. the results that you get, right? If you yeah. ask the question a different way and test it the same way, you might get a different answer. Um, so, you know... Um, I also have a note here. Oh, he starts... It's, it's He kind of d- dates the article here because he starts talking about how quantum computers um, make things more complex. Oh, and how the amino acids, they're not being sequenced anymore. But I think since technology's advanced, they've sequenced a lot more of them. Than, he, he's kind of like tossing it aside and saying it's never going to happen again because it's not profitable, but they found technology to make it profitable again. And they've done it quite a bit since then. So mm. that, that kind of invalidates his argument there. Um, I thought it was really interesting. James, you're familiar with Dawkins, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially from Twitter, he, he, <laughs> he takes a few pot shots at him saying that they apparently had an have
0: or had an ongoing uh, contentious relationship.
2: According to Wikipedia this guy rose and and dawkins
0: and dawkins yeah
2: that's fascinating because dawkins is one of these people like pinker right he's so buried in his research and so far up his ass and just wants to sell books he thinks that his he's so atomized right like that's what rose is saying that his view of the world through science is is the be all end all and everything stems from that right he says, the wellsprings of human motivation are to be interpreted by analysis of human DNA. That's Dawkins' thesis, according to Rose. And um, it's, it's probably not correct, right? There's probably a lot of other ways of looking at things than just the analysis of DNA. <laughs> that, that analysis is helpful and should serve as a piece of a larger puzzle, but it's not the be-all, end-all, I think is the point that Rose tries to make. And I think that's a really important one. Um, and he's saying... I think he gets into quantum. Yeah, quantum physics can't deal with interactions between two particles simultaneously. I think research has been done on that that makes it makes that untrue. Uh, and he says it's become an obstacle to scientific, which isn't true, too, because I think quantum computing is going to be the next level of computing once we, you know, we can't make processors any smaller. Um,
1: and and it's quantum kind of computers are what? Tell me how I would understand what a quantum Quantum physics,
2: yeah. Quantum physics are the idea is that everything can be quantified, right? Like, uh, there's always a smaller level, Um, or or there's either like the base level, or there's a level smaller than it. But there's no in in nature, there's no continuousness. So the a really good, really good uh, example is a um, a volume knob. all all different kinds of volume knobs. So you've seen them as like, on the old stereos. you know how they, they were like sliders that had ticks on them and you would move tick to tick. Each one of those ticks is a quantum or is a, is a a quantum on a spectrum, right? And then the newer knobs in cars, you can turn them sort of continuously. But quantum theory says each, each tiny, tiny amount you turn it is, is a quantum level, right? So, there's a lot of implications in that for physics that it'd be tough to describe all, but like, basically when you start looking at the atomic level, things don't like, we know from physics that from, from traditional um, physics that Isaac Newton described, that gravity behaves a certain way. If you drop a ball, it falls. Um, If you, if you push something, it moves Um, or, or it, it imparts a force back on you. When you start to look at atoms at the quantum level, at their smallest level, they don't mm-hmm. behave the way that Isaac Newton described bodies should behave. And they start to do really, really, really weird things. And they can move, like, electrons can't be in two different quantum levels around an atom at the same time. Um, so they have to jump. And when they jump between one or the other, they do it almost instantaneously at light speed. And for computers, that those movements present a lot of um, unlocked potential for speed and security that the computers that we use right now can't do. Um, and he, he's calling it an obstacle to scientific process, progress here. And I think it's been quite the obvious. Now there's still a lot of mysteries that those have unlocked that we haven't solved, but I don't think I don't think that, that makes it an obstacle. I think that's just a more something you should pursue more. And I think it's really interesting that the Jacobin editors published this without adding they could have added editorial notes here saying like, editors note since this article was published, advances have been made in this field, so he was kind of wrong here. I don't know why they didn't do that. Maybe maybe they're just not as up to speed on the stuff, but
1: how did you find that article? uh for, was it from something on twitter or yeah i saw it on
2: twitter uh, okay yeah it just happened to i was hoping to find it in like scientific american or something like that but um
0: jacob does it uh doesn't a sullivan write for them
2: yeah not not he writes for a different publication now but he used to do he uh, was like a freelancer for them <clears throat> But so long – here's an important sentence. So long as science and the questions it asks and the answers it accepts is couched in reductionist and determinist terms, understanding of complex phenomena is frustrated. And I really agree with that. Um,
1: so like even all this scientific data that could have been influenced by other things and no, nothing's solidly f- forever, is it? I mean – No, I, I, mean, I
2: don't think so. I, I think I, – I'll, I'll get to why, but – I think you have to use well, i don't I don't want to spoil my ending to the article here, but you you have to you have to use it as a tool and not like James repeated a couple times, you have to only look at facts and rational rationality, but we kind of concluded at the end, and you even said so, James, like you start reading crit- critiques of the stuff you're reading that's presented as fact and you think about it a different way. So it doesn't seem the whole like the whole premise collapses that you can only look because how do you know what you're getting is fact, right? (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, but but I think my point is that like I don't think anyone's arguing that skepticism towards good science is a bad thing. I think that uh, you know reliance on rationalism and peer researched or peer reviewed evidence based research is the best that we're gonna do. I think is my ultimate point.
2: Well, I, I'm going to talk about that, but, but, but it's also the, that, that goes back to the mystification Rose kind of talks about earlier, right? Like when, how do we bridge the gap between peer reviewed articles and something that is readily consumable by the light person like us, right? Uh, I don't think we've scored that circle yet, but it's important. Um, and isn't
1: he suggesting throughout there it, a lot depends on the politicians you put in there and what they are going to.
0: Yeah, but like I think it's kind of a straw man. I, I don't know that anyone would argue against like a healthy skepticism and critical analysis of of anything, of anything. Right. Yeah.
2: But we will I, I would argue against presenting your data as something that's inarguable.
0: But I don't think that Pinker does that. I don't want to keep defending Pinker, but I don't think he does that.
1: You mean as a rule or in this, in this publication you're talking about?
2: In his book. In his book. Well, regardless of whether he does it or not, there are many out there. Like, yeah, the that, maybe that's a better way to
0: frame it because I don't want to keep going back to Pinker. I don't, I don't really know anything about him. Yeah, he really the got book, under but. my skin yeah
1: <laughs> really we didn't, we, get, we, we didn't know that we <laughs> it wasn't obvious everyone might we woke up in my sleep a couple of
0: times <laughs> we could certainly agree that anyone presenting you know anything is inarguable fact without any basis for critical analysis or critique
1: except that's god. wrong except
2: god <laughs> <laughs> so um is another and here's where he starts to out himself as a marxist right failing to approach the complexity of such systems reductionism resorts to more or less vulgar simplifications which in the prevailing social climate become refracted into defenses of the status quo in the form of biological determinism which claims that the present social order with all its inequalities and in status wealth power between individuals classes genders and races is given inevitably by our genes right so
1: Oh, tell me about where he refers to this, where I think people, this is
0: specifically a, an anti-Dawkins argument, this whole- Tell no. me, tell
1: me where, Rick, when he was talking about- Oh, I just had a thought Yeah, the though.
0: in vitro, that's- No, no, when
1: the, he was, they wanted him to do a study on IQ as it applies to race, and he cut kind of his back up about that.
2: Yes, so certainly. I don't- I, Yeah, yeah. He I think he's he's grouping Dawkins in with a with a large a criticism of a larger group of people. I don't know that he's specifically going after Dawkins here. But I, well, I think the, more, go ahead.
0: the only reason I bring that up is because this this uh like genetic based IQ question is apparently the axis upon which him and Dawkins
2: contentious
0: relationship sort of
1: Is Dawkins a Caucasian sourced.
2: He Yeah. Is a okay. British, yeah. yeah uh, Dawkins has published such um such light reading, Uncle Den, as the God delusion. Uh, mm-hmm. He's attempted. He's he suggested that if they just flew over war zones in the Middle East and dropped his books about atheism on the populace, that the wars there would end. Um, and and shit like that, James. What was is the what thing I about go- the?
0: I'm not going to defend Dawkins. What was the thing about the? Uh, the the was he talking about contrails or? Dawkins? I don't think so. I thought he had a thing about
2: country.
1: What is Dawkins known for? Like, if a guy on the street knew of him, what, what would you say? Tell he me created about- the He created the idea of. Are you familiar with, like, online
2: the word memes? Have you ever heard that, Uncle Dan? Yeah, sure, yeah. So, so he created the sociobiology. He's a sociobiologist. He created the idea of memes. And his, his, his research is basically evolutionary sociobiology that. Just as physical traits are inherited chemically through DNA and its expression, so are social attributes. And they, they are passed through generation to generation as these things called memes, which are similar to genes. They're the social construct that evolves and passes generation to generation. Um, and he believes that's linked to DNA. And has all this research to it, but he's also an obnoxious, avowed atheist who is probably also like Christopher Hitchens, a giant Islamophobe. A lot of these atheists, uh, like, as some, like, I don't want to get, a, I, I, I don't think the argument about existence does anybody any good because everybody has their own beliefs and they should right, them. right. Uh, but as somebody who who doesn't believe in deities. People like Hitchens and Dawkins are infuriating to me because they're just as bad as what I believe is wrong about organized religion. That's all yeah, I'm going to say anybody about anybody
0: preaching is an asshole. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's the bottom line. That's all I'm
2: going to say about it. the The argument about yeah. religion and 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 creation is an internecine one that people should just let everybody else be. But 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 those like James James just put it very succinctly and nicely. People that preach like that are just fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, about
1: anything strongly, you're saying? or
0: Well, mostly religion.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and why, I wonder? Why? Because there's no way to... Well, we'll die. It's getting
1: into... No, but, but I mean, if they think it's right, and I'm not standing here waving the flag for Catholicism either, but you have to think about, if they're thinking it's the right thing that they're supposed to do, then maybe they're not assholes. I mean, these kids that walk around with the black, the white shirts and the black backpacks. No, and,
0: I mean people do a lot of things thinking they're right. I still have the ability to call them an answer. Yeah, but well,
1: I, yeah, but I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate. Only because they're doing what
0: they think is right. Just because they're wrong and yeah, but they're doing what they think is right is directly harming other people. Well, no, yeah. if you don't what, answer
1: the door, or if you you know.
0: Like they're foisting their behavior on other people who don't want any part of it, and it's I,
2: usually it's usually dis, disguising a larger uh, virulent outlook on life. Like Hitchens and Dawkins are huge atheists, mm-hmm. but they direct most of their ire at Islam more so than they do at the Christian or any Jewish other organized nice religion. religion um, no, and and they're saying no. Um, we think they're all shit. Just Islam's worse, which is bigoted. That's stupid and fucking yeah, silly. yeah. Um, yeah. and are and, they and then and then others that preach. What's that?
1: Or are, they are that transparent about Islam? They absolutely are. Yeah. yeah. Bill Maher's another one.
2: He, he's like that too. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I know. I've heard him. Uh,
2: but but the, the, I, I think there's a specific type of religious person that will say my way is the only way and they act bigoted the other thing and i think that like bigotry is kind of what james and i are going out against when we say you shouldn't be telling other people what to do because usually usually you're you're using your philosophy to masquerade as a righteous person when in reality you're just a piece of shit bigot <laughs> that shouldn't be And speaking. Dip,
0: the drawing,
2: the the dividing
0: line there what makes someone a prick is foisting that on someone else who doesn't want it. You can believe whatever you want. It doesn't make you an asshole. But, but it's, let's
1: take for example like Sean Bradley and these um, uh, like the Brigham Young kids when they have to do this missionary work. Remember Sean Bradley on the stage? Yeah, right, and right. He, and, they, and, and Andy Reid I think. They have, right. Are they assholes, or uh, I don't know that that's what they... I, yeah. I I think so. I I think proselytizing. I, like think so, I mean, yeah. they're told that they, they're growing up thinking this is what you're supposed to do. I don't know if you yeah, can... but
0: at a certain point, you're able to think critically for well, yourself. No, or, yeah, you know, no, so. I,
2: yeah, we're, we're gonna get really off the rails. But I know, like, I know. You, uh... This is why <laughs> you, I try... here's my philosophy on that on proselytizing and missionary work. If you're if you believe. It, if you believe that you're trying to spread your word, you don't need to do it. To, you don't need to do it um, explicitly. If you go and help people, and people see the way you're behaving, they'll probably want to ask you what your beliefs are and would like to learn from you that way. You don't need to go to them and tell them this is. I'm here. Be, I'm here not to help you out. I'm here to help you out, but I'm also here to help to convert you into what I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Carson
1: Wentz. I'm thinking well, of Carson well, Wentz. And let's be
0: honest, with those types of people, they're there chiefly to convert people. Not exactly. to help Exactly.
2: Yeah, they and, and they're they want to get the moral higher anyway. Yeah. I, I
1: Unlike know, Carson Wentz, who just is just about what you just described, Andrew. You know, he's doing these things like he went to Haiti after the season and then he went back in a couple of weeks and now he's got this. Foundation, and he doesn't. He doesn't do any preaching over there. He's just going to build a ball field. he's not looking
0: to right exactly. And like you
1: said, these people will then go, "Hey, what kind of religious belief is he?" Rather than him trying to, what's this all about? Why are you doing? Yeah, rather than yeah, as you you, say, foisting it,
2: which is almost like an in kind trade. It's not. It's a transaction. It's not charity, right? Like I'm doing this for you, but then in return, you need to convert, which is right. Anyway. Um, Well,
1: I'm the only one who has told the the Jehovah's, like, why don't you people mix it up? Like, (laughs) I actually invited them in, and I was saying, why don't you wear, like, plaid or something? And the kid, (laughs) they don't don't know what to say to you. And the guy's there, what do you mean? I go, well, every time people walk down the street with the black backpacks, the black pants, and white shirt, everybody's drawing their their curtains and, and... Running behind a closed door, trying to...
0: Well, I think it's a fair point. Like, I, I'm sympathetic for the people who are indoctrinated as children. Yeah, yeah. But I think it still is not right what they're doing. But the girl
1: that was on the uh, King of Queens, I mean, it took her a long time to realize and she was a fully grown adult.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I'll defend that when she was doing those things as a, as a Scientologist and proselytizing, she that was wrong.
1: Okay, she but she done. didn't think that. Like but she, it doesn't matter. No, but my point is saying she didn't think this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right? She, she, you know, she that was. That has
0: no bearing on how I view the behavior. It's still wrong, whether she, whatever her viewpoint is. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You yeah, see, I don't. I'm more open-minded with that, disregarding religion altogether. But just a, an idea that a person has, and they're behind it because they think it's right you know, the, the, the area it comes into with you guys when they try to convince you that right. they're right. Yeah. Right. right. So
2: anyway, I want to get to the, the part where he, he starts to talk about ethics and he talks about um, the mothers, babies born to mothers in poverty. So, so he begins on in vitro fertilization, right? Right.
1: So, um, Does he think that's wrong? Uh, I was trying to gather from I, I I think it's
2: kind of a a, a, a warp I shouldn't say warped a similar to the argument I was making about people paying for in vitro a few episodes ago when there are babies that need to be adopted um, yeah 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 uh, but it's a different it's a different slant that's that's a better word than warped it's a different slant to the argument so he's saying um, we now I'm going to I'm going to criticize him here and even though I agree with what he's saying because he does what I was criticizing Pinker for doing last week which where he says I note that there's a several fold greater chance of a baby not surviving if it is a born to a mother in poverty. So he kind of takes a turn on a dime and he's being very didactic and and measured in everything that he's saying, And then he pulls up a statistic or a, a, prob- a statistical probability without citing it or now I agree with it I think it's there. But he he's being kind of polemic here, like he he's just he's being rhetorical more than he is scientific. I think, which I don't know why he decided to take this turn, especially with something as hot button as this.
1: And he says um, what again, Andrew? What what was that? Uh, what was what what was the statement he made about if coming from poor? I remember reading that a yeah, couple of times.
2: If you're if you're if you're born to a mother in poverty or to the men or to the working class, the poor working class. You have a harder chance of surviving than if you're born to a wealthier upper middle class mother. So right. He said, and you have
1: to be wealthy to involve yourself in in vitro, is what he was saying. Which yeah. Is, right.
2: If you if you want to save babies, we should dedicate more resources not to studying how to make in vitro better, but how to rear these children in, uh, or how to bring up children in these situations healthily without a risk of death. Yeah. Which I totally agree with. I just, I kind of object to the way he, he kind of turns on a dime and starts talking about it in, in more of a, it's not anecdotal because he's, but it's more like rhetorical and like path, uh, like he's using pathos instead of uh,
1: a logical argument here. Um, then he starts. In, to, in vitro is just for rich people. Is that a, is that a. In vitro
2: fertilization is a method you, which is a. Would, would you say that's a, of... a,
1: a, a true statement, though? Uh, well, that's what
0: he's
2: saying.
1: Yeah, that's not that's am asking. asking. Probably very there? true in
2: 1984.
1: Right? When I hear about it, like ten grand and all this, I mean, I don't know, but I only hear, and I think, how could somebody in a in a poor neighborhood afford that at all? Yeah,
0: exactly. And probably even more so, right? When it was fairly new in the eighties. Yeah, I think.
1: yeah, that's right. And and the other thing is. Can they afford adoption, though, Rick, like you're saying? Isn't yeah. that? No, right, right. I, I, I don't yeah. know.
2: That's another problem with, yeah, that's another problem of the. Yeah. And he goes in the next paragraph, he starts talking about, um, he gets into sort of ethical consumption, like <laughs> doing any kind of science in a militaristic society will ultimately benefit the military, which is, I don't know if it's something we should be worried about. Uh, and then he talks about how we need a political decision not to finance war research. Well, right, right. The, the politics that finance war research have such a grip on our political system, even today, thirty-four years later, that it's kind of a chicken and the egg, like a catch twenty-two. Like, how, how do you get rid of either? I, 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 we haven't
1: figured that out yet, obviously. And how do you get cars that don't demand all this fuel? Right. When all the and then all the people are being funded by all this.
2: Yeah, you, people are making money off of the fact. Yeah.
1: Right?
2: Jeez. Um, so then he talks about, he touches on the animal thing, how animals are experimented against and how it's unethical. He kind of shrugs about it, but he does mention that, you know, most of these animals are being experimented on just for tri- what he calls trivial Silly, yeah, purposes.
1: Silly, yeah, yeah. Well, hair, hair shampoos and all, I've always heard a lot of animals – yeah, now they'll see you'll see animal. it'll be written on there that no no animal was harmed and for shampoo I never you know what I mean I never thought I never put put them two together that they right. were harming animals for shampoo I guess if we read and knew a lot of the stuff they're doing and it would be horrible to understand what what's going on for for our, what's supposed to be our betterment
2: It's actually for
1: some to make money
2: right he's taking a utilitarian view here where he says If you're going to do that, if you're going to, I don't think he's necessarily saying using animals to experiment because he's, well, he explicitly said that, right? Like, I think we should save humans before we save wealth. But he's saying if you're going to do it, we should be using it, we should make it a worthy effort where you're using new drugs to provide benefits to society and not for little vanity, trivial commercial products, which I think I'd, I'd probably agree with, but.
1: Yeah, so in the concentration camps, they were experimenting on the people that were in there. Yep. Is that what you're saying? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know that either. Uh,
2: and a lot of, wow. there was a lot of scientific finds from that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Of, uh... that
0: crazy shit they were doing. Right. Wow.
2: They. I think they did experiments on Siamese twins, on identical yeah, twins. Weird on... stuff. They were
0: seeing how long twins could survive, like, with, if they killed the other Siamese twin. And that was wow.
2: Brutal, awful, terrible, terrible stuff. But, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, almost to where you should say any research that was gotten, like, the ill-gotten gains from it should have just been thrown out just to discourage people from doing it in the future. But um, maybe not almost, definitely. But yeah yeah. Like, uh, So, yeah, so then he makes another – so here's an important point that he kind of buttons up the animal argument with, is that um, remember that the average scientific paper is probably read by only one or two people apart from the editor of the journal in which it appears. And the
1: referees.
2: And the referees are the people doing the peer review.
1: Yeah, okay. Doing what?
2: Peer review. So, like, when you put something out for a journal, scientists in your field all review it, and they either – allow it to go to publication, or they say there's all these problems with it and we're not going to publish it. Otherwise,
1: nobody else is reading these things. That's what I'm saying.
2: And and I I mentioned last week, the only way to get pure, rational... And it's not even pure. As close as you can get to the the most rational science or reason, statistics or experimentation, you have to go to those journal articles and they're a bore-ass to read. They're like very, very technical and not accessible... Mystified to broader audiences. So, how do we get that to where you're not selling books, but you're also to, making it easily communicated to everybody else? That's, I don't yeah. know if I have the answer to. But.
1: Like like these uh, surveys they send, everybody goes, oh, I'm not going to take the time to do that. Where they're asking, How did you enjoy your stay at the hotel? And you go, Oh, I forgot. Yeah. That. yeah well, You know, but you should, really. I mean, you really, and I try to, but you should because they're also going to learn and improve.
2: Um, but everybody's right. got
1: to make a buck out of it
2: right exactly and then he so the, go rewinding real quick to the so he starts to talk about the race iq and I, I think he's all whether and it sounds like he definitely is going after dawkins here but I, I think more broadly he's attacking like race scientists right like guys like charles murray the phrenology people who want to measure skull shape and that was all pseudoscience that's been thrown out right like the way your skull shape or the convolutions on your skull and all that stuff means you're, this smarter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like the twitch fiber. Remember, Jimmy Greek got in trouble for, right? Mentioning, yeah. yeah, the high twitch fibers they have allow yeah. them to jump higher and run well, faster.
2: So I think he's saying the danger. This is going back to his ethics of it, right? Like there are some things that we shouldn't study because. If we do, we give ammunition to these groups that are going to use it for nefarious means. Um, and and when he talks about a phenotype susceptible to genetic measurements, he's directly going after Dawkins there, James. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. uh, he's all but saying in some of them things there, when he got into the ethics, is that we shouldn't even do this.
0: Right. Yeah, he's saying it's like a non-question. No,
1: no matter if it's it no going to be good for... for-
2: where pure science or pure reason would seek an answer to all, like he he talks about infinity questions, right? There, are, uh, you w- science seeks to answer all these different, these infinite, this infinite amount of questions, but there are some that we should irrationally, or ca- maybe not irrationally, but counterintuitively say we shouldn't investigate for myriad reasons, uh, many of which you know are part of a more complex problem which I think I agree with and kind of drives home a lot of what I was saying about yet yeah, last week, but and the, then he, he, it's kind and of, in, in, he gets a little hysterical in the last paragraph, which I thought was kind of funny. He, he starts to say, um, in the last analysis, it seems to me not by scientists playing God in white coat, which I thought was pretty hysterical, like yeah. you're demonizing the people that are seeking. There are a lot of good scientists out there and you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Refusing to allow anyone else in on the decision and not by committees of professional ethicists and philosophers. Uh, the only way of dealing with such issues is by democratic participation in the decision-making process about what science is done. I disagree with that. I don't think it's the only way. I think scientists deserve a seat at the table, professional ethicists and philosophers deserve a seat at the table, and also the larger democratic people of society deserve a seat at the table. But not, there shouldn't be one monolith that's making all these decisions. because Dem- right. Democracy can often make uh, awful decisions too. Take for example, where you have a minority, um, a minority Tierney population, a majority. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I thought that was kind of a, a hysterical note to end the What was otherwise a pretty good article on. But the point I'm trying to make, I guess, is that you know, and what we we're talking about with religion, like the, the questions of existence are silly and really don't accomplish anything in the creation of an ethic of how we should behave as a society. Um, and that you shouldn't, you shouldn't use science as an end in itself as a lot of books, books by scientists attempt to do. Um, and that's what he's saying about the scientists that only look at their, they, they take their reduced, version of science and try to explain the rest of the world of it that's using science as an end of itself because it, it, it doesn't accomplish much and, it, and it, it, it confuses and it speaks it doesn't speak to the less scientifically literate and promote understanding and so I, I think it should be used as one of many means to an end rather than an end of itself and that's i guess what i was trying to say last week but hadn't really prepared anything and i thought this article did a nice little job of that
1: yeah l Al, ron, Al ron hubbard i kept thinking i want to speak <laughs>
0: I'll say that uh, I think we probably agree on basically everything. I mean, I I don't really see anything that discredits our discussion last week. I think there's a lot of parallels. In fact, I think...
1: We've come a long way.
0: Like when he talks (laughs) about the in vitro stuff, he points to research, right? He talks about several-fold greater chance of a baby not surviving. He points to research, and then using that, basing his decision off that, he comes to a conclusion about the best form of action... I don't see any difference between that and what Pinker does when he points to research and then he comes to this conclusion that government should play a larger role in investing in education, infrastructure, healthcare, all that stuff. I think there's a lot of parallels between this guy who wrote something like 17 pop science books and Pinker. Now, you can argue with the ideologies that support them or what they sort of push forward, but...
1: I think there's a lot of parallels there. No, Have there these are. Guys been known to clash with each other. No, no, but no. I'm
0: sure they would.
2: Uh, there are uh, there, and, and that's exactly why I picked this, right? That's that's why I wanted to find something from Scientific America because I knew there would be parallels. I, I I mean to say that Pinker wants to use science as as an end, right? Like he doesn't recognize the limit to it in that perception has a great deal to do in how people feel and i think and i don't keep
0: defending pinker
2: i think that his
0: whole position acknowledges the need for skepticism and critical analysis i don't think i think it's a mischaracterization to say that he is espousing like pure scientific based decision making
2: well i i think he does though when he says that when he when he extracts the philosophy from his data that people are happier where they are in a developing country because that 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 idea or that conclusion serves his ideology which is neoliberalism. Well, well maybe, it maybe I'm not, like, maybe I'm not, not being clear. Whole... It, it exactly. Sells books, like so...
0: I, I think that it's almost like self apparent that, and I think this is kind of the point that we're trying to make. Everyone has an agenda, right? And, yeah. and studies and whatnot and facts and research can be so- certainly manipulated to get there. But, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, it's, I think that this kind of peer reviewed research based decision making is the best we're going to do. You know what I mean? I think it's the best tool. That's not to say that it's flawless. And that's not to say that everything or anything really should be taken on face value without any questioning or criticism. And you're first. certainly going to pump
1: yeah. that
0: research and, and I in think, your books. I don't know, Pinker, but I think anyone in his position, if they're responsible, would agree that a healthy dose of skepticism is absolutely necessary. And I think it's a mischaracterization to say, well, he says that it's his way and his science. Or well, in other no, words, no, let, me put, that, it, let I... me put it differently because I, keep, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to this guy, I don't even know. If someone were to say that, then I would certainly disagree with that just as vehemently.
2: I think I, I think he uses his, I think he uses those tools then in a very cynical way, uh, differently than the way Rose uses them in this article. Whereas he's saying it's a it's an enhancement of his agenda. The whole premise of Rose's article is that it's it's limitations, right? Where, where it can't where it can't explain things. And I think the point of the points towards the end of the article of how do we take peer-reviewed, how do we bring people to the table in a not a condescending way? like I, from the excerpts I've read of Pinker are very sneering and condescending in my opinion. Um, how do how do we take how do we democratize it more? like how do we bring the philosophers and the and the ethicists and the scientists and the peer review? To the table, but we also account for the feelings and the needs of the population at large. Uh, how do we marry all those? And I don't have an answer for it. How, how you, because anytime you see an article in a in a in a popular publication about a study, it's always like, oh, they found this out in a study. Whereas if you were to actually read the language of the study, it's probably like, there's a sixty percent chance that X could occur given these. It's not a. It's it's not a entirely conclusive. And people need to understand that. Those findings aren't entirely conclusive, right? And
1: one, one alcoholic drink so, a day. I just heard the other day. Remember how they said— Yeah, it goes back and forth all the time. Right? Yeah, if you, it, if you had the equi- equivalent of one drink a day, it allows you to live longer. Now they're saying not so. Right.
0: Yeah, so I guess I should say that I agree with that. I think that's an important issue. And again, I don't want to keep bringing it back to Pinker. <laughs> anyone, that, anyone that would disagree with that, I think would be, like you're saying, cynical and disingenuous. I can't say whether Pinker does that or not. I don't know anything about him. Uh, I, and I don't know if he's ever published a sort of treatise on the necessity of skepticism, but I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And certainly, the Stephen Rose doesn't disagree that you know publishing these pop science books is a fair way to sort of provoke the discussion,
2: right? And I well, and I, I went at him a couple of times, right? He got too anecdotal and too hysterical at points in it for what would be a scientific article. This is more of like a, a polemic than it is.
1: Just like he says, there's a high, high, there's with scientific experiments. They start out with a hypothetical, right? Right. And then everything they do is geared. Just like I always bring it back to sports, but when the referee calls it a goal, then they look at the replays and it has to prove to them that it's not. They always say, "What was his call?" Because that's did he call it a goal? Now he did call it a goal. Okay, then then what they're looking for now. They're assuming that it is a goal unless they see something that t- shows them totally Total opposite. Evidence, right. Yeah.
2: There are, I will say, in my line of work, points where you have to make extrapolations without data because you don't have anything else and you have to use judgment. And in your judgment, work, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, And you have to use – your judgment is informed by your past experiences and data, but they are taken the, – the, the judgment calls are, are made in the absence <laughs> of data. and. Uh, It's important.
1: When I was driving down the road today, I was thinking of you, Rick, because of your career. They are digging up this main road out here. And I thought, is that because they're building them new townhomes and the sewers will not accommodate now the extra load? Would it seem like that's the reason for... They've been digging up this street for months. If
2: they planned it correctly, no, but it could be just that that pipe was old, and they needed to replace it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just because of the extra influx of water. Right. Yeah, it could have okay. been any number of things. But yeah.
0: I'll be interested uh, I'll read this other one, Factfulness, too, that's kind of, perhaps like a more left take book. on this stuff. And Nomad, Nomad yeah. Land. Uh And I think that one will get into an interesting discussion that won't be political at all, but more along the lines of, and Rick, I think you'll have some thoughts on this, but like Something like Nomadland where these people, you know, through whatever circumstances, are not at all prepared for
2: retirement. Well, yeah. No, that's it. Oh, I mean, that will get political, but I think we'll all be on the same page.
0: Well, no, no, no. Because I, yeah. I, I want to frame it in a way that's like, when you know what the rules of the system are, or people moving forward, maybe, like, what could have been done differently. Even if we agree that the rules of the system are unfair, how can we then, like... Convince people to look out for themselves despite the injustices and I, I'm not I'm not
1: only through a financial advisor. Well, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to get into that either. But
0: my point is being like when I read a book like Nomad Land, first of all, you're you're like, This is awful and sad that these people have to deal with this. And then a part of me is also like, but it's also a glaring point that no, and then I said this to my dad before it's like there's this idea that n- it, the, the truth is that no one is coming to save you and you could be like mutually exclusive and say or I'm sorry it's not mutu- you, you can hold two things except two facts at once that the way things are is awful and it's terrible that these people have to deal with it and also accept the reality that this is where the cards lay and how do we plan and put things into place to make sure this doesn't happen to us does that make sense? Is that yeah, yeah, Coherent.
1: But oh. we really, when it relates to that too, I think a, a some a lot of people just think, "Well, how much do I really
0: need?" Well, and or it's always like, "We'll do it tomorrow." Leaving aside all the catastrophes and whatnot that can happen along the way yeah. for people who don't deserve. Have you it. seen
1: that commercial with the guy where he's like, "Yeah, there's head, all those." Why didn't like, I start this earlier? Yeah,
0: yeah. But but it's like this idea of yes, the cards are stacked against you and we can fight those injustices while also know like accepting here's what you need to do to make sure that you don't end up right. working 12 hour shifts at Amazon at 75 years old with a bad knee like like a hurricane that's there is a there is a just a quick one of the fulfillment centers in Pennsylvania the inside of the warehouse got to like 105 degrees and the management was concerned that there would be product theft so they wouldn't open the the doors to mm. the warehouse. Instead, they brought in this like uh, mobile medic medical unit for anyone that would pass wow. out, just to treat them.
1: Talk <laughs> about yeah. yeah talk so about the like opposite of directly being, the fear the of the opposite product. of being proactive. Yeah,
0: yeah. Directly the fear of product theft, like prioritized over human. There, there was safety. a factory
1: in North Carolina that a chicken factory. And the guy was, was experiencing the owner. who was a single owner of this plant and experiencing theft out the wazoo. Yeah. So he changed the exit signs. This was, I, I heard this at a safety seminar. So that the people couldn't scoot out and stick stuff in their car. And there was a fire. And I don't know, 32 people died or That's something. Terrible. Yeah.
0: And we talked a little bit about it, Rick, once before. Well, we talked a little bit about that movie, The Big Short, where it was like, these guys were profiting off of uh, a complete crash in the economy. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get into, like, an ethical issue, but it's almost like you can at once hold that the system is stacked against you and unjust, and also put yourself in a position that you benefit and make sure you're not directly suffering from the injustices.
2: But I don't know that they were protagonists.
0: (laughs) No, 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 I'm not saying they're protagonists, but I – and we talked a little bit about foreclosures, like waiting for a, a, a recession in the housing market to buy a place. They're very similar things. When you short the market and you're waiting on, to buy a house from a foreclosure or whatnot. And I think it's an interesting dilemma where you can accept that that's, the circumstances that made this possible are wrong and also benefit from it. And make sure that you're not the one suffering from but it. But
1: they were at 105 degree temperatures. And they in they the case in of this me- and then we'll, we'll still buy from Amazon.
2: Yeah. Right. So, or well, there's the – the he, he actually touches on ethical consumption at one point. Rose does. But the, the, we should also point out that the people in the big short were actively working to um, – To crash the stuff. Yes. So yeah. uh, that's Not all of them,
0: it. and that's not necessary to profit from it. Say again? Like you, can sh- you can short the market without having to root for it
2: or without actively moving it to crash. Put but they way. did in that case, like the the one libertarian, the Christian Bale character was actively moving. To...
0: But uh, Steve Carell's character was was yeah. trying to tell people like this is happening. You people are
2: morons. It's a narrative. He wasn't that cute in real life. No, was, no. It's well, a narrative decision by that movie that I disagree with. But 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 anyway, yeah. No, he he touches on ethical consumption when he talks about how anything that you do in a militaristic society will be in furtherance of the military, like the military will eventually grab so like So yeah, there's a saying that there's no ethical consumption in, cap, in a capitalist system. And uh, I, I think you should do your best to avoid uh, making those consumption decisions when you can. Consumption is a different problem that really doesn't ever get touched on. But um, you should also be aware that any dollar you spend in the system is, is ultimately going to get recycled into something... That you'd probably make you rich. So yeah, like at um, some
0: point, somebody's suffering for the benefit that you've gotten.
2: But you could still make things that aren't directly <laughs> <laughs> right, beneficial. right,
0: right. But
2: but yeah, but, uh, like, uh, but
0: in the same way that shorting the market and and buying a foreclosed house, in other words, you're benefiting from someone else's misfortune, not directly. You haven't caused it, but you're benefiting from it. I think that's an interesting.
1: Yeah, but Short I mean, dilemma. when you're... We, we shouldn't do that?
0: No, no, I'm saying you should. Yeah. There's a difference I'm saying between that buying necessary. a house That was
2: foreclosed upon that you didn't, you weren't, you weren't betting on was going to foreclose, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> so, I'm not,
0: I'm not defending anyone that would deliberately try to crash the market. Yeah.
2: Um, and and I, I also recognize the irony in using a, a very unscientific article. Uh. Even though it had sort of a didactic and academic approach, to, I, I wanted to find something better than this. But this just kind—I of, kind of fell into it and thought. it would
0: Well, be I funny. think there's good philosophical sort of implications from it too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and I thought. I thought. I
2: hope I did a good job of pointing out what I disagreed with in it, but um, or at least what I thought was kind of phony or, or
0: Yeah, and I hope, like, I wanted to step away from defending Pinker and just make it clear that. Like I'd rather look at the content of what he said, or or the content on its own, than I don't know anything about the guy. And God knows,
1: I I wanted to know that what I read, and that was I it took me three reads on that thing, but I pretty much.
0: Well, there's a tendency in these sort of academic journals to, to come across as being objective. more hot, high, yeah, highfalutin. And... I mean,
1: talking about nine dollar college words, <laughs> I had to keep. It was almost like Dianetics, where I had to keep looking at these references. What the hell does that mean? But I think I got the basis of it now you, you that you got it. it. You got it better yeah. than
2: I did, I think, from hearing you yeah, react to yeah. everything. So, yeah. That's
1: but good. I never know what anybody's angle is. It's like Game of Thrones. Are they well, for he, real? He, or
2: you, you know what this guy's angle is. I mean, they say it at the beginning. It's a radical left-wing publication, so you know you're going to get a lot. And he, he very plainly states a lot of leftist principles when he talks about... For instance, the thing with the in vitro fertilization, how we should be focusing more on children born in poverty than we should the
1: scientific issue of. uh, But don't you feel like you guys could write something that's totally non prejudiced towards ideas that you have in your head, or is it not possible? Absolutely, it's possible. It's not possible. No. Mm -hmm. That's what Hunter Thompson said. Even subconsciously. Right, exactly. Every,
0: you're, you're, anything you would produce is a, is a sum total of all your it's experiences and biases. It's all
1: about memes. <laughs> <laughs> We're
2: That's here for right. them dank memes. Hunter Thompson said, if you want objective journalism, stick to box scores. That's the only way you'll get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we can all agree uh, a healthy skepticism in all things in life is probably not a bad thing. Yeah.
1: Are some people more skeptical than others?
0: Yeah, well, that's definitely...
1: Like inner city versus...
0: Oh, I don't know about that.
1: Mm-hmm. But I'm going
2: to are- deliberately and not hatefully bring it back to Pinker one last time and that I I think his politics are rotten, and I think he was hiding behind rationality, and that's my big issue with him.
0: And that could be perfectly true. I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to, to How say. about Hunter
1: S. Thompson? about him. What, what were his ideas and stuff? I mean, I know you told me some crazy shit. <laughs> he was nuts, him. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, I think he was, he was kind of all over the map. Uh, was he genius nuts, though?
2: He was, I think he was a genius. I think
1: he was. Genius yeah, his level writing. writing.
0: Cool. His writing is like, even technically, it's just beautiful. Some of the stuff he was coming up with when he was like 16 yeah. is like better than,
1: yeah,
2: you know, a, some of these authors' entire bodies of work. He, he's certainly one, though, when we're talking about somebody, you have to separate the person from the work, even though it's kind of almost inextricable with him, uh, was a bastard in many parts yeah, of his yeah. personal life. Uh, yeah,
1: Like if you knew him or he was your neighbor, you think he would, you would say, no, nah, that guy's nuts.
2: He, he probably offed himself because he saw the Me Too thing coming. <laughs> you know, in my opinion. Uh, but... Um, yeah, no. His neighbors, there's some. There's a few documentaries about him where they talk to his neighbors in Aspen, and it, it was very uh, sort of like the relationship my dad has someone with his crazier friends, who like they drive you nuts, but you love them to death, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe the relationship other people have with my dad, but, <laughs> but um, right, I
1: was thinking. <laughs> but
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I he yeah very his politics were all over the map. He was very pro he, he wanted like, I think he wanted the trend towards socialist workers' rights, like sort of like what Chomsky advocates for, which is called anarcho-syndicalism, which is just like workers' guilds control everything and there's no money. And I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to weigh in on the merits of that. And I don't even know if that's what he was thinking, but he, he was very left-wing in his thinking of that, but with an extreme distrust of authority and the government and how you square that circle i don't know if you're going to submit yourself to like a collective good where everybody's working together and there are a lot of i don't even know if there are rules it's sort of like the libertarian left right james if you're familiar with that because um, he that, that gun rights chomsky
0: was... chomsky on on that wikipedia was was uh i i don't follow all these buzzwords but he was listed as a libertarian something like, Liberal, libertarian, or authoritarian, or
1: something. Yeah, well, uh, if we, didn't left, else, yeah if we didn't do anything leftist, else. Yeah, we didn't do anything else. We discussed Bobby Ketch in the same sentence as Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> that's uh, pretty good. God, yeah. we
0: get into these diatribes. We're at 215 two right we well, just about. Um, go ahead, Rick. I think I cut you off.
2: Oh, no, I was just gonna say he, he was very uh anti, he's very pro Fourth Amendment. He didn't want illegal searches, he didn't want the government coming in. Uh, he was very pro-drug, pro-gun. He was a member of the NRA. Uh, weed? His... How about weed? Oh, extremely pro-weed, pro-LSD, pro-cocaine. <laughs> uh, Pills
1: versus pot. You got to watch that CNN report. <laughs> oh, boy. On Netflix, yeah, with uh, Dr. Gupta. Sanjay Gupta. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: But uh, but he certainly had an, uh, an honest – no one would accuse him of not being honest in any of his takes, I'd say. Right, James? Yeah, <laughs> he
0: wrote a letter. You, uh, a friend that asked him for advice, uh, and he wrote this letter. I, and I forget the, how it became known, like what title was given to it. But he was like twenty one, and this letter is the most like intensely insightful and beautifully written, sort of essay on like what it means. It, it's how to be a man, but really you can remove the gender from it and it works just the same. Like sort of what drives people and why we.
2: Yeah, no, that one, you, you found that one on your own too. Yeah, that was Yeah, great.
0: that was awesome. It's like it's kind of like why we do things that we don't want to do and, and why I, you
2: shouldn't surrender to something right. that's you consider to be mediocre. Uh, right.
0: Yeah. Oh, another monster episode from the Lion's Den. I forgot to mention it a couple of times. You can reach us at Inthelion's Den podcast at gmail.com. Send us any questions, concerns. Oh, please do leave Rose criticisms. Or Steve Pinker criticism. Hate mail for Steve Pinker. I won't be offended, (laughs) I promise. Again, it's in the lines then podcast at gmail.com. Or
1: Spanish. I want to say
0: buenas noches to our fans in Argentina. And thanks so much. Woo!